you guys. First and foremost, Happy New Year. I hope we're all going to have a great 2014. I'm looking forward to some of the new shows I have planned this year. I just wanted to let you guys know I did something a little bit different for this show. Before ever recording, I took questions and comments about Big Bang Theory from you guys because I just wanted to see what you guys thought. And I got tons of submissions talking about the controversies, what people liked, what they didn't like. And it was awesome, but I just want to let you know I couldn't use all of them. But I wanted to personally thank you guys for taking the time out of your days to talk about this and, and, you know, sending me that feedback. And I really, really appreciate it. Now, because I know a lot of you guys were not fans of the Big Bang Theory, and you probably don't want to hear us break down all the main characters and talk about the new season for the first half of this show, I did something a little bit differently. And if you look in my show notes for this episode... I added in time codes about when we talked about what. So if you were looking for a specific controversy that we were talking about, or if you're looking for your comment or your submission, just know I inv- I put all that in the show notes. They are right down there, and you can just take a look at them. And I, I wanted to do this because I know a lot of you guys were not fans of Big Bang Theory, so you probably don't want to hear us talking about that. Though I will say we have really great discussion breaking down the pros and the cons and what's great and weak about each character and the new season. So I do suggest listening to that. Alright guys, thank you so much again for your submissions, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Prepare for trouble! Make it double! We're going to fly over polar bears and see them and look at them and be with the polar bears. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Everyone wants some magical solution for their problem and everyone refuses to believe in magic. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Molnax. Talking like a man and fangirling like a lady since 2010. Frightened people. Give me a Dalek any day. everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Hope of All Trades. My name is Hope Molinax, and we are part of the Two True Freaks Network. I am very excited about our show today. I've been wanting to do this show for about two years now. Um, it started when Chris and someone else on one of our other shows, they, re- they brought up the fact that they didn't, they weren't fans of the Big Bang Theory. And I had just started watching it, and I was like, man, this is, this is a great show, I can you not love it? And so I've been wanting to do this show because I've seen a lot of controversies. It is a show I love, but I couldn't find the right people to talk about it with. Just couldn't find it. And then I started listening to Big Bang Buzz podcast. And Roxanne and Nicole are fantastic, and they're my guests today. Say hi, ladies. Hey, guys. Hi. What is the Big Bang Buzz podcast? Well, basically, we started it earlier this year. I think it was in February. Um, Yeah, I think so. And I had been, like, I kind of started because I went to this panel that was all about web video like I've never done web video I still don't really have interest in web video but it just got me excited about like creating things and I'm like I want to do something new and I used to listen to a couple Harry Potter podcasts back in the day Muggle cast and Pottercast and I was oh, like oh both like, are fantastic I've met yes. them uh, from Pottercast yeah, I I went to a couple of the live Leaky Mug shows that they did in LA, like, years ago. So I got to meet some of them at that. And, like, listening to them is basically, like, the whole of my podcast experience had been. Um, but I was like, I don't think there's a Big Bang Theory podcast. That would be kind of cool. And then I went to Nicole, and I was like, hey, do you want to do this with me? And she agreed, and we just kind of figured it out from there. Um, and we've been doing weekly episodes 
talking about uh, new episodes of the show as they air. And then when new episodes weren't airing, we came up with other topics. So talking about like characters or the past seasons and ranking our favorite episodes and stuff like that. Uh, Did you want to throw in anything else, Nicole? No, it's just when she gave me the idea, I was really nervous because my podcast experience was like the five sentences she told me about her Harry Potter podcast. I'd never even listened to one before. But I know on message boards I've on, I've been on, like, you know, there are a lot of things about the show that'll, like, people will be like, well, I didn't like how they did that or whatever. And I would a lot of the time say, and Roxanne, too, like, well, I came at it from this angle, and it makes me feel better about it. And not all the time, but sometimes people would say, okay, if you look at it that way, I can feel better about it. So we thought if we could reach a wider audience beyond the message board talking about why we didn't necessarily think something was as bad as it could have been or an angle that we could approach it from to make people feel better about it. Um, That was part of the reason why I wanted to do it, too, because I figure, you know, if you're already fans of the show, if you can like it just a little more, that'll just make your experience better. I know you guys are on iTunes, and you guys have a website as well, and I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes, and I'll let you guys pimp that out at the end. So let's just jump right into this. So let's break down some of the first main characters. What are your thoughts on Leonard? I love Leonard. He's our favorite. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've got, like, a couple Leonard t-shirts. I have the, like, full life-size cardboard cutout of Leonard. I adore him. Yeah, I have an I Heart Leonard t-shirt. A lot of my computer backgrounds have been Leonard. Um, Him and Bernadette are my favorites, but I think I relate more to him, so he's my favorite, definitely. He is probably my favorite. Um, He was my favorite all the way up through about the time that Amy and Zach came in, because I really like both of them as well. (laughs) Um, We'll get to them in a second, but I I think I relate most to Leonard. I usually call myself the girl version of Leonard, because minus like the science-y bits, I get every single thing that comes out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and from his insecurities to like his love of nerddom, I just totally get it. Um, of all of the characters, I probably relate to Lucy most in terms of insecurities, which is kind of sad. But like overall, Leonard's definitely the one I relate to the most. That's not sad. You're a sweet, precious baby face, because so is Lucy. <laughs> I, I do like Leonard's story arc because I, I I think he's really grown as a person and kind of as an adult too. Like when he first started, he was definitely very shy. He didn't really know how to handle Penny. But I think with through his experiences over the years, he's really grown as a character. Yeah. Yeah. I really love, like, there's the episode where, I'm blanking on the title now, but, like, when they go out to the movies, but it's not a date. Uh, the, ornithophobia. the ornithophobia diffusion. Yeah, that one. Because, like, that has the whole, like, take charge Leonard. I think that's the first time that phrase comes up. But, like, when Leonard, like, has that, like, extra confidence boost, that, like, just makes me love him even more. Now, um, I know recently there's been some developments between him and Penny, and I might go ahead and push Sheldon after Penny in our notes, but him and Penny have really been taking a lot of strides recently. Like, this is the first time probably in the series they're in a very solid relationship, whereas in one of the relationships earlier in, earlier in the show, in the series, they were a lot more rocky and, like, little things could have broken up, but stuff as major as Penny being married to Zach, spoiler, sorry, <laughs> I mean, that's it didn't break them up, which I think is a great sign for them. Yeah, I really liked the way that they did it when they got back together. And even though, like, I had my complaints about their first relationship, but I didn't think it was, like, as poorly executed as some other people said. But um, the second time when they were like, all right, we're going to take things slow. We're going to, like, actually make an effort to go out more, even though they could hold a conversation within their apartment. And the whole beta test thing they did where they, I mean, making lists about everything that irritated them about the other and exchanging them instead of just saying it right up front, like, 
they weren't quite mature enough to get past that at that moment, but I thought that the like spirit behind it was really positive. And they were both really making an effort to it. Um, and then again, in the Halloween episode for season six, uh, you know, yeah, was it six? The holographic exploitation. When yeah. the girls told Penny, like, you need to put as much into it as Leonard does. And of course, there was that whole thing from season three about her never telling him she loves him. But like three episodes after she realized, like, I have to put more into this relationship. And she kind of started giving as much as she was taking, like, I felt like three episodes later she said, I love you, that's fact. But I felt like after that they really became a lot more solid because they were both kind of experiencing both ends of it. So I was really happy with how they did it the second time. I'm the same, really, like, during the third season. And I came into the show, like, in the middle of the third season was when I started watching. So I just kind of, like, marathoned through everything together. But I was happy with the third season. I, For the most part, I liked what they were doing there. And I was, like, really upset when they broke them up. I cried, I said. Yeah, she did. Um, I didn't <laughs> cry. But I was still really upset. Looking back now at, like, the different steps that they went through since then, like, the things that they, the growth that they were able to do, like, when they were apart, and then how everything has been handled since, like Nicole said, since they got back together, it really puts them in, like, a much, much stronger point now than they ever were uh, the first time around. And I think that that's why Leonard is, to me, a, a bit of a stronger character now is because of his growth through not just Penny, but experience with all the other characters. I mean, I think one of the best moments is right before Howard's wedding. Like, didn't Leonard have a moment where he was like, oh my god, we're all kind of like growing up. This is crazy. Yeah. Do you guys want to jump into Sheldon? Sure. Sure. What are, what are your thoughts on Sheldon? Because I like him about 85, 90% of the time. I remember, there, it's like my post is still up on Live Journal somewhere, like right after I got into the show and I caught up with everything. And I said, like, I love Leonard and Penny, but at that point I wrote Sheldon might actually be my favorite character because how just like outrageous he is and like how much he makes you laugh. And I still laugh a lot at him, but then like Leonard, I don't know at what point, but he pretty quickly passed up Sheldon as my favorite. So he's not my favorite, but I still like him a lot for a lot of the humor that he gets out of the show. And it has been really great to see um, the growth that he's had as well, as far as both like his relationship with Amy and just his relationship with like others around him in general, how far he's come since the first season. Like Roxanne said, I do like the growth with Sheldon. His relationship with Leonard, Penny, and Amy has improved and made a lot of strides. I think that Howard and Penny and Leonard have probably grown the most, but when you consider how different Sheldon was, especially when they did the flashback to years before the pilot, just how reserved and within himself and not opening up or anything Sheldon was, I feel like he has had a lot of character growth that oftentimes is overlooked. But sometimes I feel like he's a little much. Sometimes I think he's a little too... Like, sometimes I can forgive the, I don't know anyone who would actually act like that, but I do feel like he gets a little much sometimes. And a lot of the time now when I'm laughing at him, just because he's unpredictable, but at the same time he's predictable in the sense that you know he's going to be unpredictable. So a lot of the times what I'm laughing at now is like Penny or Leonard's reaction, like visibly or whatever, to something he's saying rather than Mm -hmm. him himself. So I'd say I probably like him probably 80% of the time, like Hope said. Um, But there are moments where, I mean, there are moments where all of them I'm just kind of like okay you need to stop Sheldon when you take when you make a character that extreme it's going to be more likely that he's going to do something that's going to feel like too much than a character who's a little more mellow Sheldon was one of my initial favorites I want to say he changes so slowly but he has one of the slower progressions in the show because he is so extreme so it's easier for some of the other characters to progress faster and that's why Sheldon became or Leonard became 
more of my favorite. Most of the time I really do like him, but there's just like a few episodes, like this season when Amy started working at the university, I felt like Sheldon completely backslid a lot in that episode. And it, I had a moment of like, you know, after what, seven seasons now, six and a half seasons, you shouldn't still be in this place. So do you guys think that he's progressing too slowly or do you think they're doing a good pace for him? I would rather he progress too slowly than too quickly, but I think he could progress a little less too slowly, if that makes sense. I feel like he should be a little farther than he is now. Instead of a turtle, a snail pace? <laughs> I think he's snail. Yeah, I think he's snail pacing it and he could be turtle pacing it, but I do appreciate it would be very easy for people to consider him out of character if he started um, progressing too fast. So I do appreciate that the writers are conscious excuse me, of that. But I do think that he should be a little farther along now socially than he is, especially considering he's been under the influence of more socially adept people for about 10 years now. Yeah, and I would basically just agree with that. This, I would rather see them kind of going as they are than too quickly, but there are like times every now and then. And I think that's one, like you said, with Amy at the university was one of them where it's just kind of like, really, Sheldon, um, like you're, you should know better than that by now. I feel like Sheldon, like all the characters, when they do have character development, like sometimes it's like two steps forward, one step back. But I feel like Sheldon in single episodes goes two steps forward, two steps back. And then like three or four episodes later, he'll take a baby step forward. So in the long run, it is progression. But I think when he does progress within an episode, it doesn't carry over as much as the other characters progression does. That's a really, really good point. Though I I have to say Amy is definitely been the best thing for Sheldon Sheldon the show because those couple seasons before before Amy to me Sheldon was very stagnant like he really wasn't growing and mm -hmm. it was the introduced the introduction of Amy Farrah Fowler which really helped push give his character a good push forward which I really have been enjoying Sheldon since like what like that was like end of season three four when Amy came in like, there are times when the show is, like, a little bit too much Sheldon-heavy. Like, oh, like, what crazy thing is Sheldon getting into now? And, like, one period that stands out for me is, like, mid to late season three. It feels like there's a lot of just, like, Sheldon antics in that episode. So then, like, looking at it that way, it's, like, a really good timing-wise when they brought Amy in to sort of, like, be able to move past him, move past that with him and start getting into some new storylines and possibilities. Because, I mean, before Amy, like, I, I love the one where they're playing D&D and they have uh, the love potion on them. And they actually sit down and Sheldon actually explains to Amy, like, you know, I know it doesn't seem like we're doing anything, but this is very intimate to me, just having you here and talking to me in my room on my bed. Which I don't think we would have got from Sheldon in the earlier seasons. No, we wouldn't have. And I know some people, like, I know me myself, like, that scene kind of made me uncomfortable. And not in the sense that I thought it was too much, but just even though they weren't having like a dirty or whatever conversation, I felt like I was violating their privacy by watching just because that was such a deep conversation for Sheldon to have. But that was really significant and he wouldn't have done that in earlier seasons. And I feel like because Amy became someone that he'd be willing to listen to a little more than say Penny, I think that his relationship with Penny and Leonard has improved since Amy got there because of her influence. Anything to throw on that one, Roxanne? It kind of all ties in with, like, that scene with the Dungeons and Dragons. Like, that seems like such a big step forward for Sheldon. But then I know a lot of, like, shamey shippers feel like there haven't really been any more progress since then. Or he's, like, taken steps backwards since then. So that just goes back to, like, Sheldon slowly progressing. But 
it may be too slow in some ways. In this new season, we haven't really had many big progressions for them, because that was more towards the end of last season, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to see in this next coming half season, right? Yeah, we actually yep. kind of talked recently on one of our episodes about, like, if the past few episodes had been setting, like, setting something up for something big to happen, because there really haven't been anything big on any of the character ship fronts so far this season. But there have been sort of, like, little things here or there that, like, well, that might be leading up to something in the second half, but we've just got to wait and see for now. What about Penny? I really, I've always loved Penny since day one. One of, like, the very first things, like, when I caught an episode with my friends, I was like, hey, like, that's the girl from Eight Simple Rules. Um, Because I used to watch that with my family that Kaylee was on. So, like, that was one of, like, the very first things that, like, drew me into the show was, like, oh, I liked her on that. And then, like, in a lot of ways, I feel like Penny is kind of similar to the character that she played on that show. But it's also just been great to see, like, like, all the characters have had growth. So the growth that Penny has gone through over the seasons. And then, like, just seeing her being so different from the guys and having her there um, as, like, to the foil to them um, and her reactions. But, yeah, I, I adore Penny. Yeah, Penny, um, she's never been, like, I don't think she's ever been, like, top spot my favorite character, but I've always really appreciated her. Because, you know, there will be, like, a lot of movies or books where if they'll have people who are some sort of nerd or geek, and there's always the pretty girl who the guy will like or who will just be there, but she's kind of from what from like my stuff I've read or watched she's kind of been like the abrasive like antagonist and I know that in the original pilot of Big Bang Theory um it was Leonard and Sheldon there was no Howard and Raj um and then there was the character Katie who ended up becoming Penny but she was kind of there more and she was kind of rude to them and super judgmental and the reason that she was written out and Penny was brought in is because the test audiences did not respond well to her they were like she is there to make fun of the guys and the writers kind of realized, yeah, this isn't a good idea. And so they rewrote. And they actually, Kaylee auditioned for that role, but I guess she was, like, too nice or whatever. I don't know. But they ended up bringing her back when they casted Penny because they were like, okay, she's a little more sweet. She is a little like, okay, this is different. This might be out of my comfort zone. And she does have her moments where I'm like, Penny, you know these guys are socially awkward. You need to be a little nicer. But I feel like she tries a lot more than a lot of people would. And she didn't just brush them off as the weird guys next door, but actually enjoy hanging out with them. Like even in the third episode of the season, she like said specifically, I like hanging out with you guys. So I feel like she's just a very good character in terms of when the writers have said, like, you know, Leonard's never had the chance to, like, see, like, a non-sciency driven world because of the upbringing that he had. And so Penny's kind of like the gateway to that, to be like, okay, this is another part of society, and Penny gets to see, like, that world. And um, just they're just very good foils for each other because they're so different, but they're also so willing to understand the other person. And that goes for Penny and all the guys, not just Leonard. Now, from a narrative standpoint, um, I would argue that Penny is the most important, the most necessary character in the earlier seasons, because she's almost like, to someone who doesn't know the subculture of, like, being in, like, this geek world and stuff like that, I always think of, like, my sisters that watch Big Bang Theory, like, they're, they're not geeks in any way, shape, or form, except for, like, the occasional, like, you know, Harry Potter and stuff like that, um, but other than that, they're, like, watching Teen Mom all day and so on and so forth. It sounds um, like my sisters. I know. I love my sisters, but sometimes we just don't get each other. Anyway, but like she's almost like the narrator voice for, I don't want to say like the normal person, but like for someone who's not in the subculture, because that they're the person the guys can turn around and explain like, oh, well, this is 
Doctor Who, and it's this thing and that thing, and here's the joke. From that kind of standpoint, she was a necessity in these earlier seasons until they were able to build, like, the the in-story jokes and were able to build up on the show. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. Cool. Now, one thing I've always wondered about, and especially in these later seasons, it's become a lot more prominent, especially since Bernadette and Amy have started doing this. Do you guys think Penny has a drinking problem? And do you think it'll be addressed in the show? There was one point, was it season four, where it seemed like she was drinking, like, a lot, like, when she got, like, drunk when they were doing Twister, where it was, seemed, like, just really excessive. Um, but yeah, then that, I feel like yeah. It, it, so it was, like, really bad at one point, point. we were kind of talking about it, but then I feel like they toned it back since then, and it hasn't been that bad. I feel like it's still there. Like, actually, the deception verification, so the second episode of season seven was actually just on that I was watching with my parents. It was the rerun tonight. And when, you know, it was when Leonard comes home early and doesn't tell Sheldon because he wants to spend time with Penny, and Sheldon comes into her apartment while Leonard's in the bathroom, and he asked why there were two wine glasses, and Penny said, like, I have two hands and a bit of a drinking problem. And Sheldon goes, yeah, you know, ask a stupid question. I think it's still there, but there was a point in season four where we were just like, Penny is drinking more than Raj, and Raj at that point still needed alcohol to speak to them. I I don't know that it will be addressed because we kind of just wrote it off as she was lonely and annoyed, and, you know, Leonard started dating Priya, and she was just like, okay, I'm going to drink because that's her solution. But I don't know that it's going to be brought up, but there was definitely discussion on that, at least back in season four, but not so much discussion-wise in the corners of the internet that we're on recently. Gotcha, because, like, the one that kind of triggered that thought to me is when they were, um, in the recent episode when Leonard and Sheldon were on the radio show, and Amy and Penny were listening to it, and she was like, for every, we could have a drinking game to every stupid thing they say, and uh, Amy was like, it's a little early to be drinking, isn't it? And then Sheldon yodels and Amy gets the vodka. And I realized, you know, like, Amy drinks a lot now, too, because of Penny's influence. And, you know, Bernadette, I've noticed she only drinks in kind of social gatherings, but never outside of what Penny does. And so I was wondering about that kind of influence she's having on not only Amy, but I just thought that might be an interesting storyline that Leonard might bring up one time. Like, you drink a lot. (laughs) What if you get pregnant? Like, you can't drink while you're pregnant. And I can see Penny being like, what do you mean I can't drink while I'm pregnant? Okay, like, aside from the fact that I really want Penny to get pregnant, um, like, in the last season, like, I don't need, like, I know babies are hot, but I really want her to be pregnant in, like, the last season just so we can see that smart and beautiful baby that they mention in the pilot. But um, I think part of the reason that I want that, to be honest, is because I want to see how she deals. Like, I feel like there would be an episode where she would be going crazy because she can't drink, and I think that would be hilarious. The episode that you mentioned, that didn't trigger thoughts of it again for me, just because my sister and I, like, every time there's any sort of repetitive um, thing going on, we're just like, drinking game, drink when they do this. So when Penny did that, that's what I immediately went to. But just the fact that, you know, Amy then agreed, like, oh, okay, let's drink. And Penny wasn't like, oh, I was kidding. Like, I feel like they definitely do still do some of those jokes. I just don't know if they're going to do a storyline about it. But if they did, I certainly wouldn't mind. Was it a recent episode? I don't remember when this was now. But, like, Penny and Amy and Bernadette were all drinking and, like, Penny was like, oh, that's the last of the wine. And they were like, they Bernadette and Amy were each, like, they only had, like, one cup or one glass. When was that? I think that was this season, but I don't remember what one. I don't know. I feel like that was kind of one of the more also, like, at least more, slightly more recent things that have kind of been, like, joking that way. Yeah, like, as a whole, it doesn't seem to be as bad as it was back in season four. 
Or we're just used to it and don't think about it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so any other last thoughts on Penny or maybe Leonard and Penny? Because I know you guys ship them a lot. I think that we would definitely go over our time limit just talking about that. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> we I, do ship them a lot. Question. What in the, com- the coming half season do you guys want to see from Leonard and Penny? I just want to see them get engaged at this point. Yeah. <laughs> We actually feel like we really might, seeing how they brought up the whole issue again in the Thanksgiving decoupling recently. So yeah, that's really what I'm hoping for happens soon. We actually, we're actually hoping, we're calling this like a hashtag trifecta. Back in the season premiere of season six, when Raj found out Penny had never said I love you to Leonard, he's like screaming at her, say it. So we all put in like our signatures on the message board, like hashtag say it Penny 2012 off of that. And then in 2012, you know, she did say I love you. So we were like, yay, it worked. And then um, we decided we wanted like a mutual I love you, as we called it. So like an I love you, I love you too type exchange. And so we put in our signatures like hashtag write it writers 2013. And then in the season finale, we got that interaction. So our next one is hashtag do it Penny 2014 for the proposal. So we're kind of hoping that that'll still work out and our luck hasn't run out. Um, But that's the main thing I want to see for them. I mean, I do ultimately want them to have a kid, but I want that to be later right now. I just want them to get engaged. And I'm really excited Penny is going to be the one to do it. That's something I've wanted since like season two. And that was before they even dated, really. Now, I, I kind of see them following the same, like, Monica and Chandler track from Friends, where they'll get engaged and they'll be married, but um, they probably won't handle or deal with kids until, like, the last season. I do agree with that. Because I know you guys are big Friends fans, and so am I. So, you guys ready to go on to Howard? Yes. I have to say, just to start this off, I think Howard has had the best character arc out of all the main characters from the first episode to the present. Like, he has changed the most because I really disliked Howard in the beginning. Like, he, you know, he was a creep, and he was written to be a creep, so, like, he was playing his character the way, you know, they wanted to write him. And just seeing his change is fantastic. Like, he's one of my favorite characters now. And uh, didn't one of you guys say when we were talking and getting ready for the such Twitter that you wanted Howard? I want a Howard, yes. too. <laughs> he was creepy in the beginning, and I didn't, I wouldn't have wanted to be around him. It didn't bother me as much as it bothered some other people just because... I know Howard. Like, I know Howard's in real life, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't have the personal experience, at least, on that type of creeper. Um, but what didn't bother me is that it wasn't, like, glorified. Like, I love Barney Stinson on How I Met Your Mother, but he's inappropriate, and he's sexist, and he's degrading. But he, like, succeeds at it, and he considers himself a king, and he's just, like, so awesome. And Howard's creepy, but it, like, never worked. It never came off well, and... Several times Penny told him, look, like you're being creepy, you need to stop. So I kind of appreciated that he was there just because we got to see him change and we got to see him understand. Like, you know, when he was telling Bernadette right before they got married, like, that guy you're disgusted by, I'm disgusted by too, but he doesn't exist anymore. And we couldn't have gotten that kind of character growth if he wasn't that bad at the beginning. But if he was still like that now, I flat out wouldn't like him at all. And by that time, the usefulness of realizing being like that doesn't work. It kind of would have worn out and he would annoy me. But after the romance resonance, especially, I'm like, can my husband be like that? And then I kind of stopped. And it was kind of like Penny's look after when she made the Star Trek reference in front of Alicia. I was just like, I just said I want a Howard. And I never thought I'd say that. 
Yeah, Howard was pretty much easily my least favorite of the main characters when I first started watching. And yeah, like, I adore him now. Um, There have been, like, only a very few moments on the show that have actually made me tear up. And most of them had to do with Howard. And a lot of that really has to do with, like, how he grew with Bernadette. Because, like, in, like, the second half of season three... I was really sad when Bernadette, when she ended up leaving, because I liked Howard's character so much more when he was with her. So I was really glad when they brought her back the next season. Like, all of the growth that Howard's gone through and all of the changes to his character, like, he's he's one of my favorites now. And a lot of that goes also... Well, all of the actors on the show are great, but, like, Simon Helberg really deserves more credit than he's gotten for all the stuff that he does with Howard. I think the part that I was just probably the, one of the very few times I've cried in Big Bang Theory was when he had written that song for Bernadette and was singing it to her in the hospital. Like, I was laughing and crying at the exact same time. That song was perfect, and it just kept going on in amazing. <laughs> I was texting Roxanne, because, of course, I get the episode before her. Um, I was like, oh, this thing Howard's doing for Bernadette is so cute. And then I was like, it's still going. And then, oh my gosh, Firefly reference. Like, I was, like, live texting it to her without trying to be spoilerish. Um, and then by the end of the night, I bought it on iTunes and had it memorized, and I still jammed to it in the car. It was, it was it's probably my favorite season seven moment so far. You guys are like me and my friend Angel, because um, she lives on the West Coast and I live on the East Coast, so when it comes to Once Upon a Time... I'm just like, I really want to tell you about this, but I can't, but you're going to love it or be angry. <laughs> Where do you think that Howard is going to be going uh, in the future? And kind of Bernadette, too, and we'll get to Bernadette in a minute. But, like, where do you see him going? Because we know he wants kids. I don't think the show is going to address kids for a while. Who do you think will have kids first, Howard and Bernadette or Leonard and Penny? Well, I would want I'm... it to be Leonard and Penny. Like, if yeah. I'm going for which one I want. And part of that's just, like... Because I ship them, they're, they're like my main ship on the show. But also just because like Bernadette was initially like against kids and she's maybe sort of opened up to it more, but like it's still unsure. I don't want the, them to like be feel like it's forcing it on her or like forcing a change with her. So just like how their characters that we've seen have like reacted towards or talked about kids, I feel like Leonard and Penny would make more sense first. I want Leonard and Penny too because I don't think they're going to be doing kids with multiple people on the show because they've repeatedly said that children on set are a a lot harder, you know, obviously. I mean, they could do like, you know, friends like Howard and Bernadette's kid could come in at the time when like Emma came in and then like Monica and Chandler's twins could be like Leonard and Penny's baby. Um, but I've always really liked, even though, like, the only thing I know I want to be in life is a mom, um, I know that there are women who don't want kids, and I feel like society expects women to want kids. Oh, my gosh. And I know I've... That's me. I have no urge to have kids, and every time someone says, well, it'll be different when it's your kid, I just want to punch them in the face. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, even though I do want kids, I understand that there are women who don't, and considering that Bernadette is, um, one of our posters was talking about this earlier, like, Considering that Bernadette is, like, so passionate about her work, and, like, her work kind of is her hobbies, because she's, like, always getting in trouble for, like, mixing things she shouldn't be mixing or doing something with and touching this and all this. Like, she's so into that. I kind of like that that's her thing, and that's what she wants to devote her life to. And so if they're going to, I mean, they have to pick. There's really no compromising on whether you have kids or not, because you have them or you don't. And I kind of hope that they go with Bernadette on this, just because... I like the fact that there's a woman on this show that, 
you know, she's very advanced in her career, and I like the fact that it's currently showing someone who prefers that to what society will typically, you know, expect. And so if they're only going to do one kid on the show, I would rather it be Leonard and Penny, not just because I ship them, but because I feel if they do have Bernadette get pregnant first, they're going to be doing it because, well, they're married, so it makes more sense. But then I'll be like, well, it's Bernadette, so it doesn't make more sense. To me, it just depends on, like, how they would approach it. I, I can see yeah. Penny and Leonard having a kid, but, like, or her getting present pregnant accidentally. Yeah. And just, it's totally not planned or anything. And I think if Howard and Bernadette has a kid, I almost want to see them adopt, only because I think then Bernadette would have more say in it. You know, it wouldn't be like, oh, well, it's my body changing. You know, I don't have really any control over this. I feel like she would have more control in that situation, and it wouldn't feel as forced. And it's something they could always pull out of if she was ever uncomfortable. Yeah, and with Howard, you know, with the feelings of abandonment by his father, I think it would be really sweet for them to adopt because if they adopted a kid whose parent didn't want it or whose parent was gone and it had doubts about whether or not it was loved, Howard could use his feelings that he felt abandoned by his father to kind of, like, make sure that that didn't happen for the kid that he adopted, and he could kind of provide that love that the kid didn't feel like it had, either in a foster home or just if its parents left or something like that. So I think that it would be really sweet if they adopted on Howard's end, too. I just don't know how much of him wanting kids is, I want my and Bernadette's child, or if he just wants to be a dad. Okay, yeah, that Howard angle on that adoption thing kind of really makes me want that to happen. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing is, if they adopt a kid, I could see the kid just being like, I hate Star Wars, and Howard just turns right to Bernadette and goes, we gotta take him back. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there'd be an intense interrogation if they adopted an older kid, or a kid that would have that opinion old enough to before they would adopt them. It's like the adoption agency has all these requirements for the parents, and they'd be like, well, here are our requirements. It would be like Sheldon would be the one requiring an intense interview with the kid. (laughs) That'd be so cool. Dude, I actually wouldn't mind seeing them bring in, like, maybe an older kid, like, seven, eight, nine. And then that way you would have to worry about, like, little kids on set. So it'd make it more easily for Leonard and Penny to actually have a baby. Yeah. I mean, I want Leonard and Penny to have a baby either in the series finale or, like, that spring. Just so we can see it. We know, look, here's this Martin Davis baby. But I don't need to see it. I mean, like... There's always that, like, disappearing baby. Like, people are like, okay, where's Emma in the last couple episodes of Friends? But they wouldn't have to worry about that if it was, like, a series finale. Cool. Um, anything else on Howard, ladies? We love him. That is yeah, basically that. <laughs> we love him now. <laughs> yes. So let's uh, go ahead and talk about Raj a little bit. Because I Raj is, for me, I love him. I think he's a bit big, sweet baby face. But there are times where he can just sometimes rub me the wrong way. He's my least favorite, but I do love all of them. He was initially my favorite because the first episode I ever saw was the Grasshopper Experiment, which, of course, is where they found out he could talk to women while he was drunk. And even though he was obnoxious and he was kind of rude um, or very rude, I was 14 at the time, and so I didn't really have a huge concept of how inappropriate he was being, and I just thought that when he was drunk, like, he was making me laugh. I was in a trailer in Mississippi. It was raining. That was the only channel I was desperate to be entertained, and he entertained me. 
so um, my next episode was the season two premiere because I had seen Grasshopper Experiment over the summer, and I was really confused when I changed the channel because it was Leonard and Penny walking up the stairs was the first scene of that, and I was going to change the channel, and Dad's like, no, no, that's the guy you can't talk to women unless he's drunk, and I'm like, really? So I went back and watched it because of that. So it's really Raj is the reason that I'm watching the show, but I feel like aside from the talking to women now thing, he hasn't developed as much. And he's my least favorite, but that doesn't mean I dislike him. I really don't know who I would put at my, as my least favorite, but I definitely feel like Raj hasn't gotten the most development, hasn't growth as much as the others have. But And there are times where he's, yeah, like he, he rubs me the wrong way also, but then there are other times where it's just like I adore him or he's just like so sweet. Or he'll say something that just, like, cracks me up. So it goes both ways. I feel like they kind of traded in his character development for humor. And that's why I was so excited with Lucy. I, I was really hoping that it would work out with him and Lucy just so he would have... I don't want to say, like, you know, he has to change only when he has a girl. Because I also really like watching him with Stuart. I love watching their interactions together. I just... And because in a way, I don't want to say that Raj is better than Stuart. But I think he's more settled in his own skin and he, I like watching him trying to help Stuart because it's one of those rare times I feel like he's kind of in charge of the situation while when he's with the four guys I a lot of times I feel like he's kind of the bottom of the totem pole because he doesn't have a girl so I like seeing him one-on-one with Stuart I feel like he's a much better character in this moment yeah and I feel like him and Stuart's relationship is really good in the sense that when he, like, you know, a lot of times Howard or Raj will say something that kind of goes overboard, and, like, Stuart's reactions to it are really funny. And he's a good foil for when Raj is getting, like, super overly dramatic. Like, God, I think it was the first episode with Lucy when they said that they were going to, um, they were either going to, like, throw a party for the people that didn't have anybody on Valentine's Day. And Raj says something like, the love that we give to each to ourselves is greater than the love that we get from others. And Stuart goes, or something a little less hand in pants. Um, and I, my brain my brain wasn't even going there, but then Stuart's response, I just burst out laughing because that was so not where my mind was. I just thought Raj was being overdramatic again. And they have a lot of moments like that, so I really like that dynamic. And I do agree, like, Lucy could have been a great um, way for him to grow more. And I don't see it so much as him growing because, like, I mean, bringing her in as a love interest, yeah, but, um, you know, a lot of the times, like, Raj is someone who wants to be in a relationship, he wants to be married, he wants to have kids, like that's been established from episode two, you know, of the first season, so when he sees someone who he sees as a love interest, he sees someone who could fulfill him in that way, and so that makes him more conscious of what he's doing, and more aware, so I think it can be a good thing, and not just, you know, she doesn't mean as much story-wise, because she's just a love interest, which I've heard, you know, every time the guys get outside love interests, I feel like Lucy could have been a real key to his character growth as a person he was being himself with her for a while and then he kind of started overthinking things and that all went to hell but i did really love lucy and i really liked their relationship as far as like garage and lucy i for whatever reason i was never like a huge fan of lucy but i did like how it was just like something new for his character because i feel like where i get annoyed a lot with raj is when he just goes on and on about how lonely he is um, and how he doesn't have anyone, and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I'd either like to see them, like, actually, like, have a love interest just so he'll kind of, like, someone so he'll, like, stop whining, or I feel like they would <laughs> give him something else to focus his character on. Because as is, they're really just sort of, like, it feels like repeating a lot of the same things with him. I do like that he has cinnamon now. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Goat on her. And the dog. So yeah, I I'd, I'd like to either see. I wouldn't be like super upset if Lucy specifically doesn't come back, but I'd be open to like seeing her come back again for Raj or just like somebody else eventually for him. So I do find myself relating to Raj a lot. <laughs> this is going to sound so sad. The episode I always think of that I think is one of my favorite Raj moments is when they're having like the weekend like gaming marathon. They're going to play like video games all weekend and have like a guy's night just like how they used to be. At the end, he's just, you know, like we don't have these moments anymore where it's, it's just us. And I'll always be the guy who got a girlfriend after Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> yeah. I really relate to him because like I a lot of my friends live like 40 minutes away from me because I live about 30, 40 minutes north of Atlanta. And so they they get together like almost every day. And I would just kind of feel like I'm staring in outside the window just going, but I want to come play too. <laughs> so I really do actually understand that side of Raj a lot. And I, that's why I sometimes have trouble watching Raj because I totally get what he's feeling in those moments. It's hard watching friends hang out and like having like better things. And I, I kind of like that human side when that actually comes out of him. Hey, I mean, I live in the middle of nowhere, and Roxanne and some of her friends are always like, oh, we went to this place, or we met this person, or we did this, and I'm just sitting there like, awesome, I saw 27 deer today. So I, kind of, I can kind of get that, too, um, because I love my deer. I love living in the country, um, but there are a lot of times where Roxanne does make me jealous. Sorry. And I'm glad she's sharing these things with me because I think it's really cool. But at the same time, I'm just, my dear story isn't as good as you running into the Animaniacs guy. Or she didn't run into him, but, like, you know, those type of stories. So I, I kind of feel him on that level, too. Though I will say, do you guys want to know a secret? Sure. Of course. I really ship Raj with Stuart. I would not mind if they went that route at all. I don't know about a lot, but there is some, like, fanfic out there for them. I've read a bit of it. The two of them really understand each other and could have... Like, it's more of a crack ship. Like, I don't know how I'd feel if I really see it. Especially since, like, Raj has said repeatedly, like, I'm not gay. I'm like, I don't like guys. Like, he... he even though he's feminine, like, he... You know, he clearly likes women. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see that kind of a relationship, more of, like, a bro-ship. And, like, seeing them together more and, like, helping each other more. Like, getting over these these little hills and mountains in their lives. We had some pretty honest Howard and Raj conversations, um, like when they went to the tar pits and stuff in season three, and I would really like to see that type of stuff with Raj and Stuart. And I mean, if they were to put them together, I don't think they will, um, but if they were, I don't think I'd mind it. I mean, my main crapship on that show is Leonard and Bernadette, and if they actually did that, I'd be very upset because it would be breaking up two other things I ship. I wouldn't mind if they did Raj and Stuart, but I just would kind of like some classic Howard and Raj-esque moment with Raj and Stewart as well. Yeah, we were actually talking recently about how it seems like we've seen a bit more of Stewart this season, or at least the past few episodes or something, more than we have at other points in the show. So it would be interesting if if they do keep him around more, and it would be cool to see more of him with Raj. Because I like Stewart, but I also feel like Stewart kind of gets stuck in a rut sometimes with just like his same feeling sorry for himself stuff. But like pairing up him and Raj kind of gives both of them some new just new things to do or new stuff for the writers to play off of to keep things more interesting um anything else about Raj ladies um Um, the scene where he talked to Penny for the first time that was another one of my tear up moments yes oh oh that season finale was like crazy I cried again 
we kind of predicted that that was going to, because we had known that a character was going to, like, get to a watershed moment, and I had said on our podcast, Raj is the only one that, like, really has something that he hasn't been able to overcome for a long time, especially since he'd gotten the I love you out of Penny, and Howard and Bernadette were married by then, so I was like, I feel like it's going to be Raj talking to women, so even though I was kind of expecting it, I was still, like, completely overwhelmed and happy for him, and just the way Penny was happy for him, and I always wanted it to be Penny that he talked to first I had a feeling it was going to be a girlfriend but I was like it doesn't make sense at this point that he wouldn't talk to Penny because he's known her for so long he can't see her as a love interest because she's always been clearly with Leonard I mean I know he did at one point but he was over that by now so I was like I really want her to be the first one that he talks to because he has more history with her than any other like non-relative so I was really glad that it was her that he talked to first no, just I also really love that scene. And this is less a Raj thing and more of an actor thing. But Kunal Nair is one of like the nicest guys you will ever meet. He is super sweet and he is awesome. He's so funny. I really enjoy watching interviews and like seeing his tweets. And he calls Roxanne sweetie. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because you guys have been to a lot of the tapings. I, yeah, I've been to one. Yeah, I've been to a ton of them, and so it got to the point where, like, the cast will sign a lot of the times, um, like, they'll come up to the railing and sign the little programs, and Kunal, like, some some of them did more than others, Kunal would sign almost every single week, so he got to the point where he was recognizing me, and he'd be like, hey, how's it going, and it was pretty awesome, but yeah, he's really nice. I'm so jealous! <laughs> <laughs> We're living with our deer, because I have deer that said my backyard, like, every day, too. <laughs> We'll be dear sisters. And you're not invited to our deer parties, Roxanne. I'm sorry. I had deer on my college campus. Does that count for anything? No, no, it doesn't because you're in fun town. Roxanne, you missed a golden opportunity there. In the last episode when they were saying without Sheldon, Penny would have met Stan Lee and she was just like, great. Like, I feel like that's your attitude about our deer thing. <laughs> so, uh, what do you ladies think about Bernadette? She's Adore perfect. Her. <laughs> and Melissa Roush is Melissa Roush is like my number one girl crush and Bernadette's just amazing. And again I could probably use it the entire time just talking about her. So let's let Roxanne go first. Yeah, well like I said with Bernadette, I was really sad when they just like wrote her off randomly in season three, basically because Melissa Rouch was no longer available. And then she and it was partially because I did like how um Howard was I felt like he was better with her, but also like I did like her character from what we'd seen so far. So I was super, super excited when they brought her back in season four and they made her like a regular, like right off the bat. But yeah, I love her. I like the random stuff she gets into with like at work and just like her yelling, like when she yelled, because like Sheldon said recently, like she's so small, but she yelled and she's just so loud. The very first time she used like Howard's mother's voice to like yell back at Howard's mother, I just burst out laughing. And that look on Howard's face of like, oh God, there's two of them. <laughs> I don't know. I just adore her. And I like a lot of the other characters, I feel like the, most of the others, there will be times where it's like, I don't like them as much or like, oh, I wish they wouldn't do that with that character. I really can't think of anything off the top of my head or like moments where I feel like that with Bernadette. I feel like she's just all around pretty awesome. I really love Bernadette, and I really love how Melissa, like, she used to do improv and stuff, um, and, like, at Comic-Con, they'll ask her, can you do an impression, they asked both her and Howard, and Simon a couple years ago to do an impression of Howard's mother. Simon just said, like, one or two words that Mrs. Wallowitz has said, and, like, Simon just said Howard's name. Yeah, yeah. 
And then Melissa comes up with this completely original, in-character sounding thing and did her Mrs. Wallowitz voice. And I was just like, you are a flawless human being. But yeah, Bernadette, she's just really feisty and she doesn't take crap from people. And her being paired with Leonard in the scavenger hunt earlier this year. Her, um, oh my God, you did not just slow down for a bird. You know that I can fly, right? Or when she said she begins to think that, you know, Penny dodged a bullet not being Leonard's partner and it's just like slowest bullet in the world. (laughs) And she's just really feisty and I just really love that. And one of my favorite one-liners is, you know, in the episode where the girls got really into comic books and the guys come up and you hear Penny or Amy being like, oh, if this character did this, then why would he do this? And Bernadette's just like, you don't know his life. And she just said that with, like, such conviction. And that's one of my favorite one-liners on the show. And I just like, like Roxanne, like, I think Bernadette's the only character that even when she's mean, she's, like, adorable about it. And, like, she's kind of, like, the one that I never feel like I have to make excuses for. It's just, like, okay, that's Bernadette. And the fact that Melissa's just perfect, too. Like, her tweets, like, she made a tweet, and, like, her Twitter account wasn't, like, a, it was a public account. So, like, then her next tweet was, like, is there a morning after pill for Twitter? Because my first tweet was unprotected. And she'll just make comments like that all the time. And I just I just could blab, and it wouldn't make any sense for, like, hours on her. I'm not being very convincing that Leonard's my favorite character right now. But Bernadette's basically just flawless. Another sort of, like, one-off line of Bernadette's that I love is um, from Wildebeest implementation. When she gets caught up in the whole architect astronaut thing and she finally just yells from the bathroom like he was an architect but like that whole episode Bernadette really just like shines through and is amazing but then yeah like with Melissa it's awesome like how she was a fan of the show before she was on it so she like just fangirls about it like like we do and like there was a I think it was at the comic-con panel um at one point like all the cast members were asked about like favorite uh, moments from that season and basically everyone else mentioned a scene that they were in but Bernadette was or not Bernadette Melissa was talking <laughs> about like these scenes that like other that she wasn't involved in at all but like this Leonard Penny scene or what other stuff and like really you know specifically remembering other parts of the show and she was just going on and on like the people would be like I think it's this move on next next cast member you know it was this and Melissa, it was either this, and I really loved this, and then this is happening, and oh, but there was a scene where this is happening, and when Penny and Leonard, like, did this, and I was just like, oh my gosh, that was beautiful, and she was, like, totally fangirling, and she said that she, like, would reenact episodes in her house before she was cast. Oh, I'm I'm so mad. Yeah, so they were telling, you know, for the 100th episode interviews, they were just like, yeah, it's not your 100th episode, and she's like, I've done all of them, just not all on the set. Yeah, she would reenact him in front of her mirror and do all that kind of stuff. So she, like, like Penny is, like, the non-nerd representation within the show. Like, Melissa is, like, the fangirl representation within the cast. The only thing I would like to see from Bernadette, and this doesn't actually have to do with her character, and I kind of want to see this with Amy as well, I want to see her have more one-on-one time with other characters that aren't Howard and aren't Penny. Because I did enjoy seeing... Bernadette with Leonard in the scavenger hunt episode. I don't think we've really had a one-on-one of just Bernadette and just Sheldon. And there's a few times with her and Raj, but usually Howard's is there as well. So I would like to see more of that one-on-one relationship with people outside of Howard. And same thing goes for Amy outside of Sheldon and Penny. Yeah, like I I was going to say, we've gotten a few things this season, like the scavenger vortex really mixed up the pairings, or like the... um, 
first episode back, Amy and Bernadette had their trip together, which made me like super, super excited when I uh, first heard about it. Um, and like one of my favorite, another favorite episode, like with Amy, as far as like mixing things up, is when she and Leonard go to the wedding together. I love that. So, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, so it would be great to see more of them like continuing this season, um, mixing up the pairings a little bit more. Because Amy yeah. with Howard is probably one of my top favorite moments of the season thus far. Like, I just love that entire episode of just them. And, like, for a half a second, I was shipping them. <laughs> yeah, I really like their parallel thing in the scavenger vortex where it shows all the groups getting into the car. And it's like, to the comic book store. Let's go. To the carpets. Let's go. There's a Neil Diamond concert next month. Let's go. And they, like, completely, like... They did not give a single shit about the scavenger hat by the end. They were just going to go sing together, and I really liked that. I was hoping to see more of Howard and Amy after that, but we really haven't gotten much of those two together. But I, I was really hoping that they would start forming more of a friendship or something, and Sheldon getting jealous of, like, I don't understand what happened over there. Yeah, that would have been. I really I hope we will. And on the Bernadette level, like, I think it makes sense on some level that she hasn't had as much one-on-one time just because... You know, at the beginning, she was working on getting her doctorate, and she said, like, repeatedly this season how, like, long her hours are. But, like, just because I think it makes sense doesn't mean that I'm a that like, I don't want it. So I definitely do want to see her hanging out with either Sheldon or, you know, Raj by himself, because I think those two could be pretty good friends, if, you know, when they're away from Howard. I don't know if she and Leonard could get along long term, but maybe if they're not competing against anybody then they'd be better because I know that Bernadette was really interested in his physics experiments in season three so if they were talking about work I think that they could get along really well too. The only last thing I had to say about Bernadette is I'm glad when they brought her in she wasn't used as a tool for for Howard and that she had her own character and her own stories and I I kind of as sad as I was I liked when she left for that little bit because I was hoping that they wouldn't write her in as like an extension of just Howard's arm. Yeah, I think what really um, helped, like, when they brought her back was that was right when Amy was coming in at the same time. So then it made it a lot easier for them to sort of then do, like, this subset of the girls and give them things on their own. Whereas before, just, like, Bernadette and Penny, it was like, yeah, they worked together, but we still didn't really see a whole lot of them. We, we really didn't see anything of them just on their own together. I will argue that when the girls came in, like Amy and Bernadette, like that's really when the show just took off and flew. Like it was great before, but that's when it hit, became phenomenal. Agree. Yeah. And phenomenal is my favorite word. I don't use it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I only use it sparingly because it's my favorite word. I, I think I was reading it Entertainment Weekly that like, what season did I come in again? What was it season four? Bernadette showed up. She was recurring in season three and then Amy came in in the season three finale and then it was in season four that they were upgraded to, like, Maine and were there most of the time, at least. Entertainment Weekly described season four of Big Bang Theory as the rise of the girls. And it is so true. Yeah. I think they timed it really well, too. Like, some people will say, like, shows will bring in, you know, new characters when the ratings are already going and people are already starting to get bored. And they didn't have the cushion to be able to develop the characters because they were bringing them in to look for better ratings. Whereas Big Bang Theory did that before their show got too stale so people were like more open to the change and they were like okay let's see these new dynamics and they've been able to keep the show fresh a lot longer because i think not only that they brought them in but when they did god imagine if they like waited another season to bring in the girls what would that like season be like (laughs) plus as far as just like the storylines that were going on at that point i remember like at the end of season three we were talking online like 
we need to know what's going on in Penny's head as far as in regards yeah. to like her and Leonard and the breakup and where she was at because it was just Penny um, like we didn't have anyone that we could see her like talk to about that sort of thing so then bringing in the girls finally gave us they could talk to her about that and we could see like what she was telling them and it was finally a bit more of an insight on what she's thinking about that whole situation and other things as they came up Miss Amy Fairfeller um, when it comes to Amy, I initially wasn't a big fan of her. It took me a while to warm up to her. I think a lot of it is because she she kind of, I don't want to say it was girl Sheldon, but she was kind of, I, was, I guess I just had trouble reading her. Um, whereas Sheldon, by that time, like, you know, we had gotten used to him and all the guys were used to him, so he was a little bit easier. She was just kind of, almost like if an alien had walked in, that sounds really mean. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, But as she's grown... I really like Amy, and she's become one of my favorite characters, and I really love little moments with Amy, like, just, and I, I can relate to her as well. I, I, I enjoy watching her now. She really basically was just, like, girl Sheldon when she was initially on the show, and, like, in her first few episodes, at least. And I remember saying, like, back at the time when she first joined, like, yeah, like, I'm liking her character for now. And, like, I'm okay with her being here for a bit, but I really don't want to see her here full-time. It's hard to imagine the show, like, without Amy or, like, without Bernadette also. And a lot of that is because of how, like, they did develop her character from, like, those initial... Because, and, like, Maya, like, she talked about, like, she'd never seen the show before, but she basically, like, watched it and was trying to copy, like, Jim's mannerisms as Sheldon when she was trying to do Amy. So she was basing it off of his character. But then as, like, as far as, like... Er, like the writers developed Amy more and like the just like the growth that she's gone through and the things that have happened in those few years like Amy is really like like I I adore her also I adore all the characters but it really has been great to see the stuff that she's gone through I was very much what people call nowadays a Sheldon purist back in season two or season one but I started watching regularly with season two premiere because a lot of people were saying, oh, Sheldon should be with Penny or Sheldon should be with Leslie. And I just didn't see, like, I was like, Sheldon's not somebody who cares. Like, that isn't an aspect of the human experience that he wants to be a part of. And I felt that Penny and Leslie, well, he can be friends with Penny. He and Leslie hate each other. But I was like, I don't feel like he, he could be with somebody like that. And I was just like, it would take someone, like, with really specific qualities for Sheldon to be interested in you know, in that way. And so when I get this Google alert that said Sheldon's love interest cast, like, I took love interest as someone who, like, from the get-go, he's going to be like, yeah, and I'm like, what are they going to do to his character? And then they bring Amy in, and I was like, okay, that, you know, 30 seconds she was in, I, I could be okay with this, let's see where it goes. It took me a while to warm up to her just because she seemed so wooden. I wasn't, sh I still wasn't sure on the idea of Sheldon in a relationship. But once I was like, okay, they're not going with the typical definition of relationship here. They are going to do it in a Sheldon-y way. Then I was more open to it. And Amy really grew on me, and I adore her now. She's kind of over that, oh my gosh, you know, the girl who is the type of girl that would make fun of me in high school is friends with me, and she got over her little girl crush on Penny, or at least it's not nearly as intense now, thank God. I understood why they went there, but I think it was a little much at times. Just like, I, I just really love her now, but I was really cautious of her at first just because she was referred to as Sheldon's love interest, and at the time, I 
I was like, I want to have faith in the writers because I'm not a writer, so I'm sure they can do it better than I'm imagining it playing out in my head. But I couldn't come up with a situation where I thought it would be in character. I was like, they would really have to go this route. And then they went that route. And I was like, okay, I don't give you guys enough credit. I, I have to appreciate that her and Sheldon's relationship, they made sure they connected on a mental level first. Because I think that's yeah. the only way that Sheldon would be interested at all. While sometimes I do think that they are going way too slow, I do appreciate the fact that they are taking it slow. Yeah, like, I'm also the same, like, I, like, the first three seasons, like, I was like, Sheldon's, no, he's not gonna be in a relationship. Like, that would, that's not what his character is. I don't really trust the writers to put him in a relationship and make it believable. Um, But then, yeah, how they brought in Amy, and because they took it so slow... Um, they were able to like slowly do it step by step to build it into something that really works for both of their characters. I, I really want to see them kiss. Like that's that's something I do want to see, and we have kind of seen it. Like like you know they had that one scene where they did kiss, but I want to see something where Sheldon initiates it. But at the same time, I say that it just wouldn't really be in his character. At the same time, like I guess what I'm trying to say is, when do you think we'll see Sheldon initiate something like that? Like, how many seasons or episodes or number of things do you think that you, it will take to get there? Well, did you know that the Valentine's Day episode last year initially had that? No, I didn't. His initial gift to her in the original script the actors got was he kisses her. And they decided to change that because I don't know if they felt it was too early or if they really wanted to do the emergency contact thing. And we're like, okay, if they kiss, then their relationship is past the point where, you know, that would be a meaningful gift because then kissing would be more special to Amy. But the table read had them kissing in that episode. So because a year ago they were entertaining it, I think it could come any time I don't think we should expect to see it, like, in January, but I don't think it's as far off as some people might think. Yeah, I could see it happening by, like, the end of this season or sometime, easily sometime next season, just because, like you said, they they were entertaining the thought and had it as a possibility last year. But, yeah, it wouldn't I mean- have to be, like, a specific circumstances... Or, like, I could see Sheldon more of giving it to, like, as a kiss to Amy, like, something, like, it would have to still work out to be in character for Sheldon, because I don't, I still don't see him just, like, wanting to kiss her, like, like, in, like, Leonard would want to kiss Penny, like, in relationships like that. Like, he's still Sheldon. Yeah, and I mean, the last time we've even seen Amy kiss Sheldon, like, Leonard and Penny's relationship is younger than that kiss, because that was before they even got back together. So it's been years, it's been seasons, and I kind of want to see them kiss again. And they teased us with the Sheldon initiated kiss earlier in the season, even though I think we all kind of knew by how that scene was being played that it was Amy imagining it. I feel like Sheldon is perfectly ready to do it if he was doing it, like, for her or something like that. He might even be ready to want to kiss her. I don't know. I know that in previous seasons he's made comments about, like, thinking of her at, like, inappropriate times, which aren't probably isn't as explicit or whatever as other people but or he's like talked about like picturing her hair over her shoulders so like he is thinking about her physically more than he is more than he was um but yeah just because they were thinking about doing it last year i really think it could happen anytime it would just have to be a specific circumstance it wouldn't be like hi sheldon you know she comes over and he goes over and kisses her like that's not going to happen but i think he's definitely ready 
You know, it's kind of, I, I just thought of this. Sheldon and Penny, in a way, when it comes to Howard, not Howard, uh, uh, <laughs> Leonard and Amy, are kind of foils to each other because it took Penny forever to finally say, I love you, to Leonard. I'm wondering when we're going to get to that point when we'll see Sheldon do that to Amy when we're already seeing all these big milestones in their relationship taking that time. And so I kind of like the spoil between Penny and Sheldon that they're doing. Yeah, and I like that it's a foil, but it's also not exactly the same because Penny's afraid of commitment and Sheldon's uncomfortable with it. So they're coming at it from different angles, but at the same time, it is similar dynamics within the couple. And this is my last point, and it's going to sound kind of mean. We kind of want to see an episode that somehow Amy got hurt, which sounds mean, but only because I would like to see Sheldon's reaction to her, like, in the hospital and like having kind of like how Howard saw Bernadette in the hospital or because we and we also saw Sheldon's reaction to taking Penny to the hospital in her dislocated shoulder but he has a very different relationship with Amy than he does with Penny and I kind of want to see what he would do in that situation because I can't even really imagine it I think that'd be a new scary world for Sheldon he just would not know how to handle it. We've seen I think like along those lines in the isolation permutation I think, like, Amy wasn't answering her phone. She was upset about something, oh, and yeah. Sheldon said, like, she isn't answering her phone, she isn't answering her email, she isn't answering her tweet, and he, like, listed a bunch of different ways he was trying to contact her until, like, he was worried. So I would like to see it more visual, because, like, you know, in that instance, Amy was hurt, like, emotionally, but she wasn't, like, in the hospital. So I would like to see something like that. But I think we have some idea of, I think Sheldon would just completely go into panic mode just because of that episode. And he definitely cares for her a lot more now than then, just because time has passed. Yeah, and, like, related in that episode, that scene, um, like, Sheldon had mentioned to Leonard how there was, like, was it, like, a coyote sighting or something in Amy's neighborhood? And then Leonard's like, well, I doubt she was eating by, eaten by a coyote. And then Sheldon's like, why would you say something like that? And he's, then it was like, that's what he was focused on and worried on. So we did see some of him being like worried about her concern in that episode. But yeah, if it was like something more eminent or like more direct, it would be like a larger reaction, I'm sure, from him. Any last thoughts on Amy Farrafeller? Um, I think I we think covered so. it. Right fast, I just want to throw out some like honorable mentions, uh, maybe like some of our favorite guest characters, because that was the main cast. And I know something after listening to you guys' show that we all love Zach. Yes. Zach is perfect. <laughs> I am so happy he's already been in two episodes so far this season, and I hope he comes back for way more. He wasn't in the Thanksgiving episode more, because that was not enough Zach. Just in general, like I love that they brought him back, because it had been so long since we'd seen him. And you can never go wrong with more Zach. No, it's impossible. Back in his first episode, um, the Lunar Excitation at the end of season three, I was still reading Roxanne's spoilers at that point, so I knew what all of his lines were, and I had a feeling that my sister would like him. So I was kind of watching her, and when his first line, like, he comes like, that's impossible. How can you bounce a laser off the moon? There's no gravity. And my sister's jaw just dropped, and she was like, he's perfect. Can he be in every episode? And, like, it was just off of that. She was in love. And then and Penny said they had to go to the party, and he's like, it's a surprise party. It doesn't matter when we get there. And Kristen looks at me, please tell me he's coming back. And I'm like, I don't know. Just He's just, he, I, we love him so much. We talk about him quite a lot on our podcast. I really want to see Zach become main cast. How would the dynamic of the show change if Zach became main cast? Because that's a different kind of character, because he's 
I, I want to say that he's maybe not as smart as Penny, but he is the sweetest, like, out of all of them. He is. And he's very much, tip, like, the typical kind of guy that Penny used to go out with. Of course, he was the one that, you know, represented Penny's old type of guy that she could no longer date after Leonard. But, like, all of the previous guys that we've seen her date that we've, like, seen in some sort of detail, like... Roxanne and I love Doug, but he has one line, and it was two words, so we, we don't really have a lot of basis for that. Like, Kurt, you know, he's mean to the guys. He's a bully. He cheated on Penny. Mike, I strongly suspect, cheated on Penny, and he's just kind of a douche. But Zach is that type of guy in terms of, like, appearance and stuff. But he, like, genuinely thinks that the guys are super cool. And, you know, he's all like, oh, I like these comics. And Sheldon and I are like, okay, those aren't the cool comics. I mean, of course, Raj also liked what Zach liked. He's just, like, trying to be super into it, and he actually thinks that the guys are cool. So I just like how he wants to be friends with them. Yeah, he's he's just, like, the sweetest. And, like, he forgave them, like, so quickly, like, when they apologized for making fun of him. And, he, and then he's just like, okay, we're over that. Like, yeah, and, like, he's not necessarily... Well, I don't know, like, he, he reads some comics, and, like, he was up for dressing up as Superman. So even if he's not, like as like geeky and like obsessed with these things as they are he's still like it seems like totally open to like okay you guys like these things that's like or he's like open to like checking out whatever it is see i want to see him just because i i think that they could learn a lot from him and he could learn a lot from them and i don't mean learn as in like science learn as in like like for example if if the guys were fighting or like maybe like penny and leonard were fighting or like howard burnett I see him being the guy just, like, stopping the fight and, like, pointing out the obvious that they're, I guess, like, too smart to see the obvious when he can see it clear as day. And yeah. he's fixing so many solutions because he's just so sweet. And and I think that he'd be a good representation of just, like, being open to this everything. Like, he might not know what the hell is going on, but he's like, sure, I'll watch anime. Let's do this. It'll be fun. <laughs> and if anyone ever tried to, like, mess with them, I can see him being the first person just being like, hey, that's not cool, man. I mean, I don't make fun of you for liking, like, I don't know, ballet or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, Stuart's first comment when he saw Zach was, you guys finally chip in for a bodyguard? So he might work as that, even though they do have Penny kind of for that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like what you said about, like, Zach being able to state the obvious. And, like, he's just such an easygoing guy. Like, when he came over and was taking this I'm married to Penny thing seriously because of his whole Thanksgiving should be with family... And then Leonard was getting all upset about something, and he's like, I'm starting to think you're not the kind of guy I want dating my wife. And I'm like, so you're okay with people dating your wife, just Leonard specifically is putting up a couple red flags. Yeah, he's just such an easygoing guy. I agree with you. I think that he would be good to, you know, like Raj in a recent episode was explaining to Howard and Bernadette what their problems were. Like, I feel like that could do that for Leonard and Penny, or even the Shamey. Oh, I can see him pairing off well with Raj and Stewart, actually, and, like, them having their own little thing and him teaching them confidence and, like, seeing their characters grow through Zach helping them. That'd be cool. He'd be a good wingman. He would be a good wingman. Yeah, and, like, we saw in, like, was it Toast Derivation when, like, uh, Sheldon had Zach and Stewart and um, Kripke all over. So, like, we know, like, Zach gets along with all of them also. So, like, Zach, Stewart, and Raj would totally work as a trio. I think Zach could get on with anybody except for, like, really (laughs) mean people. Like, every single one of his lines, basically, um, is something that's just hilarious to quote on its own. Any other last thoughts on Zach? I don't think we have enough time again. Yeah, Yeah, just bring him back again. 
But I, I just always liked Stuart. Like, um, when Howard was in space and they were bringing him over more, I was really excited about that because I kind of, I liked seeing him with the guys and seeing him starting to change a little bit. And as we mentioned with him and Raj, I really enjoyed seeing their time together. And Stuart's another person I would love to see become main cast and be there more often because I think it would really help his character as well. At, like, at that point, they had upped Kevin um, Sussman to, like, main cast and then they brought him back down to guests. Because so, I, I guess, I don't know if they just couldn't ultimately come up with enough things at that time to use Stuart for. But he was billed with the rest of them for a little while. I remember that. But even then, like, he wasn't in a lot of episodes. Yeah, like, they, yeah, like, they by title he was. But they still weren't really using him to the full extent. I, well, the taping I got to go to is one of the ones while Howard was in space. So I was very happy to see, you know, Stuart and Kevin there. For a while, I could never see him as like being a main character, but I do like that. I do like that he's very recurring. Like at the beginning, when I was warming up to Amy, I was like, if she wants to be in like one in three or maybe half the episodes, I'd be good with that. But I don't know that I want her full time. But I had to see her full time to understand that I really liked her full time. So I'm really glad if, if Stuart wants to keep popping up with the frequency that he's been popping up i'll definitely be happy with that but i'd probably prefer him being there all the time than not at all because i do really like him i have to say my favorite Stuart episode was um the holiday one we just had and he kept popping up in everyone's fantasies amy's would have been so sad if it was not him at the very end like blowing (laughs) i cracked up so hard to keep myself like sobbing i remember seeing the promo picture of like Stuart and amy with like her little cupcake and just thinking like that, you know, that somehow and like someone's like somebody else's story, like they somehow Amy and Stuart were like together or closer or something. So the fact that it was like Stuart who just like inserted himself into that scene just made it even funnier. Um, that's another thing I'd like to say. I'd like to see more Stuart one on one with some of the other characters. Not Sheldon. He, he ends up being really mean, but I, I really enjoyed seeing Amy and Stuart on their date until Sheldon came. I, I think he was incredibly sweet then. Or even just, like, subset, like, Stuart within subsets of the group that we don't see so much. Like, because he's not a main character, I don't see him having a lot of one-on-one time with, the, like, a lot of individual characters. But, like, you saw him, you know, with Leonard for a while back in season two when there was the whole Penny thing. And we've seen him with Raj. But if he wanted to hang out with, like, Howard and Bernadette at one time, or even, like, Crash Girls Night, like Raj does, like, I would really like to see that, even though it's not necessarily one-on-one. It's just a group we don't usually associate him with. You know, it would be really mean, because they, this is a trope they use a lot in TV, but I, I would and would hate at the exact same time to see an episode where the girls take Stuart and make them, like, his, their project to improve. I always hate those episodes, but at the same time, I would love to see Stuart having a moment where he just tells them off and being like, no, I need to do this on my own. You guys, this is terrible. I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. If this is what it means to be, like, cool or swanky or sexy, I, I don't want any part of that. Yeah, I'm not, I don't usually mind, like, an overused storyline just because I like seeing how different groups of characters will react to the same situation. Um, but I feel like, you know, like the situation you were saying, um, like I'm not a huge fan of that specific trope, but at the same time, I think it might work here and it might really help Stuart be more comfortable with who he is as a person if they're like, okay, we can try to change you and make you into this. And he's like, okay, I want that because I'm like, you know, it's like Chandler, I'm hopeless and awkward and desperate for love. 
But then in doing that, he realizes, wait, like I'm more comfortable with myself than I realize. And I think that that could be a really good character moment for him. We should just write the show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do like Stuart. I would like to see him more. I, I took off the moms out of the thing only because they come up later on below in that one article telling about why the show is strong. But did you guys have any other like side guest characters that you guys wanted to talk about that you just love? I mean, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time just because we have other things to talk about, but Sheldon's mother is one of my favorites. I know one of my best fandom friends, we kind of bonded. We started the trick messaging constantly because, like, I had mentioned Sheldon's mother in something I was writing, and she messages me, and she's like, Sheldon's mommy is perfect. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad you love her, too. And then we became, like, best friends over that. And I just think she's really funny and how, just how much of a foil she is for Sheldon. Um, but she's probably, she's definitely my favorite mother and her and Zach are probably my favorite guest characters. I was very disappointed we didn't actually get to see her in the Cooper extraction, but I'm glad she was there on some level. Was that the same actress voicing her? She was yeah. credited as it being her, yes. It just sounded odd. It didn't sound like her. Okay. I know. I'm... I, I, I remember thinking, and I saw other people, like, saying the same thing, like, wondering if it was her. Like, it, she did sound, like, a little bit different, but, uh, she, like, she sounded close enough. I was like, yeah, that is her, but, yeah, it was off. What about you, Rexanne? Any characters that you just love seeing whenever they pop up, or maybe you miss seeing? I don't know. Wheaton's the first one that comes to mind. I love Wheaton. Yeah, it's, it's always fun to see him come back, and especially since Wheaton himself is, like, such a fan of the show in real life, and he, like, gets so excited about being back on the show, it just kind of makes, like, me more excited to see him on the show. And, like, before he was on Big Bang Theory, like, I had no idea who he was. Me um, either. Me neither. And, <laughs> I will. Yeah, but, like, and, like, now that, like, I actually know, like, more about him, and he's, like, such a cool guy in real life also, so then it's just fun to see him, like, and his character on the show. And him and his wife are, like, so adorable on Twitter, too. And they're both so funny. Like, one of my favorite things recently, I think we mentioned this on the show, like, she was feeling miserable because she had just come in from, like, the beach, and it was, like, bad weather or something. And she's just like, oh, my gosh, my eyes are bloodshot, and I've got salt in my hair, and I'm sweating, and blah, blah, blah. And then Will responded to her tweet, like, why are you sexing me over Twitter? We're in the same room. And they just always have interactions like that, and I just really love them. I like watching Will Wheaton with John Barrowman. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm following John, so I haven't really seen those. Their Comic-Con pictures together are adorable. Like, they were all over each other, and Will Wheaton's wife kept tweeting about how John Barrowman was going to steal her husband from him, and she <laughs> was giving them, like, her good graces. She was like, he's the only man I'm okay with stealing my husband away from me because I love watching them together. I think I did yeah. see those pictures. Yeah, I saw, like, screen caps of some of those tweets on Tumblr. And just real quick on Roxanne's thing about how excited he is to get on the show. Like, the second time he came, like, no, the second time, the first time he came back after season three, I think, like, he had, like, a little video of himself, and he, like, showed his trailer, Big Bang Theory, Will Wheaton, and he's like, I know, right? And starts, like, flailing. And, like, I made a gif of it, and I still see people, like, using that when they're really excited about something. So I just really liked how he, like, made a video of him, like, jumping up and down and waving his arms. He was so excited. Now I'm thinking about John Barrowman on Big Bang Theory. <laughs> there are so <laughs> many people I want to guess. I want to see them give the guys, like, dating advice. And at the very end, like, his partner comes in. Because John Barrowman's partner 
is absolutely amazing. Like they, I, I've met them before. It's become a thing now at Dragon Con that him and his partner will come on stage and they will flash whatever superhero underwear they're wearing get that day. <laughs> Every great. panel. And like, it's adorable. And I, I just see him be like giving them these great dating devices. And like one of them is like, well, aren't you like married to a man? And he goes, well, love works with anything. Like that'd be a great moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mrs. Cooper is my main other honorable mention, so. do I have to ask, what are your favorite episodes so far this season? Because I am... Scavenger Vortex. Say what? Yeah, Scavenger. I'm torn between the Thanksgiving and the Christmas one. Scavenger, Romance, Resonance, and the Christmas one are my three favorites. The Thanksgiving is probably fourth. I'd probably go, like, top two would be Scavenger and Romance, Resonance. Yeah. I don't have like a third one off the top of my head for sure, but those two. Scavenger for the comedy and then romance for the feels at the end with that song. Okay, thank you for yeah. like I, I don't know the titles as well, so Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now some of them I, I do know, but um I was like romance, romance, I don't remember romance. Ah, I'm so bad. <laughs> the song one, yes. Yes, the song that I cried at. The real reason I really wanted to bring you guys on this podcast is there's a lot of controversies that roll the Big Bang Theory. I really want to tackle a lot of these with you guys. From what I can see, most of my geek friends either love Big Bang Theory or they hate Big Bang Theory. Like, there's really no middle ground. And then I see other people, like, you know, my, my family watches it, and like I said, they're not fully geeks, minus my mother, who, who was raised a Trekkie. <laughs> they just love the show. They, they just crack up at it. As, like, a really geeky girl myself, I, I tend to really connect with the human side of the stories, because, you know, I, I see the nerds, and, like, I live that with my friends, and that's, that's my normal life, is what they do. What I connect with, is seeing them grow as characters and seeing how they change over the time. But I will say there are a lot of times in the show where I have to, I, I kind of get upset with how they tackle some situations, especially when it comes to the geeky and nerddom. Because to me, there are two, there's nerdiness and then there's geek. To me, a nerd is an intellect and like, you know, that kind of sciencey side of it, while geek tends to go more with fandoms. And I've always differentiated the two. Like, my best friend's a nerd while I'm a geek. And we're very different in those sort of things. And also, another controversy has pointed out is they either celebrate the women on the show, which I'm in that, that side of, or they think that it's really sexist against women in the show. So in this next part, I'm going to introduce each of these arguments. And I'm going to kind of give out the pros and cons. And, like, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say as neutral as I can in this while it's a show that I'm highly passionate about and things that I'm highly passionate about. And then I just want to hear you guys' rebuttals and how and what you guys think of these as well. Cool? Okay. Sure. Any questions? Did I make sense? It makes sense. Yeah, you make sense. Yeah. All right, so the first one I'm going to pop up, and I actually really like that they did this. I, I guess it's UGO.com. It's the letter U-G-O.com. And I'll put any articles I mentioned, guys, I'll put in my show notes to make sure you can take a look at this. I really like the fact that they did two articles, and they did, like, 11 reasons to love Big Bang Theory, and then they did another 11 reasons to, like, hate Big Bang Theory, which I actually really appreciate. They took both sides of the argument on this one. So what I'm going to do on this one, I'm going to throw out some of the pros, hear your responses, and then throw out some of the cons and hear your responses. The first one, and we've kind of mentioned this too, and I'm going to weigh in on this one because I love them as well. The moms on the show are really well done. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> they're all very different and they're all very, you can see where the characters have some of their issues coming from their specific mothers. Raj is very, you know, he's lonely. He feels he should be with someone by now. And we've seen since season one, his parents want him to be 
Howard's really clingy and thinks that he doesn't have to do a lot of stuff around the house because the main woman in his life has always been his mother. She's taking care of him. Sheldon's an intellect that completely rebels against the against things that his mother, you know, is into. But I feel like she probably may have pushed him that way. But at the same time, she was supportive of him because she was letting him like study abroad or be a visiting professor, excuse me, when he was 15. And she was going with him and doing all that stuff with him. And then Leonard, he has a lot of mommy issues, which Mrs. Hofstadter is amazing, but I would not want her as my mother. So I feel like the moms are very reflective of the strengths and weaknesses of their sons. Except for Bernadette's mom, mom. (laughs) because she has no personality. (laughs) Though I kind of, in the beginning, Bernadette didn't have much personality in the very beginning, because, like, she wasn't getting Howard's jokes and would just kind of stare at him. Like, she was kind of... When I saw her mom, I was like, man, that was Bernadette's first episode right there. <laughs> but they, she does they just, just have her dad for the feisty streak. Yeah. I have something I've been thinking about. I know we haven't seen Amy's mom. Have we seen Penny's mom? I know we've seen well, her dad. We saw Amy's mom in the, like, one Skype call in an episode tag. Did we? Well, you guys are experts. I'm going to believe you guys on this one. <laughs> I just don't remember it. Yeah, it was when, you know, Sheldon, um, Amy had asked Sheldon, you know, will you meet my mom? And he thought that it meant she wanted to get really serious. And then she said, no, I just need to convince her that I have a boyfriend. So at the end, they were sitting there talking to her mom. And she was like, oh, I didn't believe Amy when she said she had a boyfriend. And then Sheldon's like, oh, I'm quite real. And I'm having regular intercourse with your daughter. And then they, like, completely grossed her out. So that was all we've seen of her. But I think she would get along with Mrs. Cooper. Probably, yeah. And I would really actually like them to meet because Mrs. Cooper's been flat out told by Leonard that, you know, Shamey isn't doing anything and he really can't describe their relationship. And then Mrs. Fowler has been flat out told that Sheldon and Amy are like wild animals in heat. So I think a conversation between the two of them would be really funny because they're both on completely different pages. That's a good point. I never thought about that. I, I actually really want to see I can meet the parents scene with them. What if they, ooh, what if they did like a Mother's Day episode and all the moms were together? Well, I, I know for like that. a long time we wanted like Beverly and Mary to be in the same episode. So if they could just get like everyone together at once, that would be awesome. I, I think Sheldon's mom and Leonard's mom, I think Sheldon's mom would just be so offended and just, <laughs> like, I think she could be the catalyst to change Leonard's mom to make her a little bit more motherly. Maybe, yeah. Either that or Leonard's mom would make her cry with, like, all her, like, psychology. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that's so true. But, yeah, the only mom that we haven't seen is Penny's mom, which I get to plug this, Roxanne. Um, There you go. I know every episode of ours I mention this, but at some point in season three, they asked the five cast members, like, separately, who do you want to play Penny's mom? And four out of the five said Lisa Kudrow. And I was like, okay, she could have had Penny when she was a little younger, you know, like, I was like, I could see that. So every episode of Roxanne and mine podcast, I'm always somehow finding a way to fit in, like, team Lisa Kudrow is Penny's mom, but I would love for her to be Penny's mom. But I just want to see Penny's mom, period. All right, so next point of why, from Ugo.com, why Big Bang Theory is awesome is the games, reference the cosplays, comics debate, all that fun stuff. I always laugh at Penny's line when she's like, what cartoon are we watching? It's anime. Oh. <laughs> that was one of the things that tied me into this show originally and why I fell in love with it because I told, like I said in the very beginning of this, I got everything that they said. I'm in more fandoms than I can count. There's very rarely a reference that I just do not get in the show and I, I love seeing them explore spoofs of stuff like with the lord of the rings episode but i I love that episode 
Okay, well, I was going to say, like, for me, it's not necessarily that, like, because there are references on the show that, like, that'll be over my head or, like, oh, I kind of know what they're talking about there, but it's not something, like, a fandom that I'm in myself. But just the fact that, like, they have all of these references and then just how, like, passionate they are about them. Like, one of the first things that got to me about the show was, like, they get excited about these things the same way I get excited about other things like the like my main or like my first like huge major like geeky thing that I was in was like I was all about Harry Potter I'm still like a huge Harry Potter fan like dressing up in the robes and like midnight releases and all of that fun stuff so just seeing like that sort of like aspect or people who are into things the same way being like on the tv show that was what really hooked me to start with I well I actually tend to understand their science references more than their like geeky-ish references because even though I am like a nerd I like sci-fi you know all that other stuff if they're referencing you know if it's a comic book thing or a superhero thing like I know a little bit about that but I can't reference the specific stuff um like in the second episode ever when Penny asks how many Superman movies there are and Sheldon goes, you're kidding, right? And I'm, like, sitting there waiting for them to explain how many Superman movies there are because I had no idea, and I actually still don't. But when they're talking about the science, I do really like those references because even though, like, obviously I, can't, I don't understand exactly what they're talking about because I don't even have a bachelor's in science, much less a Ph.D., and if I did, I was initially going for that, but it wasn't going to be physics. But at least, like, if they mention something, I'm like, okay, I know something about that. Like, the Drake equation, I knew what it was, but I didn't know, like, how they could apply it to their likelihood to get women. Even I mean, that one's a little easier to understand. But um, I do really like all of that, and I just really like how passionate they are about that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until this show that I could really embrace how much I loved television. Because my mom, like, she just, she thinks this is so weird. Um, and when I told my sister what I was doing tonight, she just looked at me and was like, we are such different people. So I definitely think like that my those... sister, Christina. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a pro with the fact that they're showing people who are so passionate about stuff. And it's like, okay, it's okay that I'm so passionate about this stuff because, you know, they are. Um, and in terms of the comic debates, I'm not a comic book person. Um, I have, I have like, a couple of, like, the Firefly ones, but, like, in general, I'm not. But that whole Thor's hammer debate that the girls had in the episode last season, my sister and I were discussing that episode, and it turned out we disagreed on it. So we ended up getting into this, like, really heated argument over it, even though we only knew of it based off of the episode. And so my dad was sitting there, and he was like, it's like watching that again. I was watching that episode, and I pretty much have had several of those comic debates before with friends, and I was just watching it going... Oh my god, it's like every other week for me. <laughs> Even though we weren't into that specific thing, the show did it in a way where we had opinions and we started arguing about it. Even though it's not something we would argue about. Whenever I think about the nerdy, geeky references and like the games and the cosplay and everything like that, I always think about my friend Paul George. He is one of the two main singers in Harry and the Potters. I, I, thought, that's, I thought that name was familiar, yeah. Yeah, um, if they're you awesome. Don't know, and I've done a Wizard Rock episode and a Harry Potter episode with my group before. He has a quote in the documentary, We Are Wizards. And he says, you know, everyone's a fan of something, whether it's comic books or movies or television or even a sports team or music or books. Like, we, everyone's a fan of something. And it's true. Like, I have my God, my family are such sports geeks. I, I call them sports geeks because they are into football and like I love baseball like that's my that's my thing like I when it's baseball season I'm done <laughs> like you can't talk <laughs> it's a Braves game on 
but I mean, it's so true. And so that's why I don't really have much of a problem when people is like, oh, well, I take that back because I'm going to be playing this card later. But I mean, when people are just like, oh, it's kind of making fun of geeks. I mean, but at the same time, it's also, you know, you can look at sports people and be like, oh, look at those jocks. I mean, everyone's a fan of something and will take equal amounts of some things a little bit too seriously. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's fun watching people that passionate because you see sports fans that passionate too. And it's the exact same kind of love just for different things. That's what I'm trying to say. Ha 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 ha, I can talk. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Looking, we already talked about this going through the characters, but uh, UGO.com also pointed out that Penny, Amy, and Bernadette are pros to the show. We all agree on that. You're the girls. Finally, I, I, I think the last point is Sheldon. And honestly, I, I think he's the one person who probably has roped a lot of people into the show. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of, I mean, even though he annoys me sometimes, like, I can appreciate, like, how essential he is to the show's popularity. And it's not like I don't like him. I just think he does have his moments where I'm like, okay, this is a little much. Yeah, and, like, almost every single person I feel like I talk to, like, that I know in real life, like, oh, like, you watch the show, too. It's Sheldon is, like, 90% of the time, maybe even more than that, he's, like, the one character that they mention is their favorite. He's definitely, like, almost universally loved by, well, by, like, the people who watch the show, let's say, just about, like, everybody loves him. I would say that my stepdad's an average viewer. He, you know, he watches TV and he likes TV, but he's not, like, fan to me about TV. And that's his favorite character. He he has something that I think that's appealing to normal people. But at the same time, kind of go in another direction. I do like the fact that, that they never really quite pointed out that like maybe he has autism. Maybe he's just asexual. Like we haven't really, they, they never really clarified that. But I like the fact that they're kind of representing that kind of section of uh, those kind of people too. And I kind of have to appreciate how they represent that section of our society as well. Yeah, and I am glad that they haven't they haven't said like oh he's here on the autism spectrum or he has like Asperger's syndrome or like something like that just because if they put a label on if 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 there is if he does fall into a category if they put a label on him they're restricted in what they can do with him and they run the risk of offending people that also fall into that category because they can be like we wouldn't do this, you're representing us in the wrong way. So the fact that they haven't put a label on it, and that's just how Sheldon is, I feel shows that they're like conscious of like not wanting to offend anybody and also wanting to give themselves more creative license. Yeah, and then also related to that, like I know that there are some people who, even though they haven't specifically labeled Sheldon, some people still get like offended at his beha- behavior, or they say like that's not realistic. But then at the same time, I know I remember seeing articles where people were writing and saying, like, either, like, had Asperger's themselves or, like, their children had it or something. They, like, like looked at Sheldon. They're like, look, like, that's someone like me who's on television or, like, that's someone that they could relate to in a way. So, like, praising the character for having those personality traits or whatever. Yeah, I, I've worked with disabled kids and uh, kids with mental disabilities, and a lot of them really enjoy Sheldon because they do see themselves and the fact that he has a career friends a girlfriend he is for the most part kind of you know is well balanced <laughs> he is functioning in society and a lot of levels so yeah yeah and I think that is a very strong good way to portray that kind of character is he annoying yes but who's not annoying like there's so many times I want to punch like quote-unquote normal people in the face <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, Roxanne and I will be Skyping, and I'll start laughing at something that's, like, not even funny, and she's just looking at me with this totally judgmental face, so I know what that's about. <laughs> now, we have to look at the other side of this argument. 
Yu-Gi-Oh! also put up reasons why geeks hate Big Bang Theory. And I'm going to let you guys take away on this one. And actually, you guys will be so proud of me. I totally defended this. Um, I was a guest a couple weeks ago on the podcast Greetings from Storybrooke. In their very first Wonderland episode, they were talking about how uh, once Wonderland's in a terrible time slot, because it's in the same time slot as Big Bang Theory on, on another channel. And so, like, it's really killed the show. And honestly, the two best weeks it's had, like, ratings-wise, were, like, two separate weeks that Big Bang Theory wasn't on. But they were talking about, like, uh, my friend Bill, and God, Bill, I love you if you're listening to this. You know I do. But he, like, him and his guests were going off about how, like, Big Bang Theory uses a laugh track. And when, I, that was the very first episode of Wonderland. I was a guest on their fifth episode of Wonderland, so five weeks later, I saved it so I could call out Bill <laughs> on his show about Big Bang Theory not having a laugh track. So, go, go, be free. Why does Big Bang Theory not have a laugh track, ladies? Because okay. laugh tracks are lame, and live audience <laughs> is way better. Go ahead, Roxanne. You guys fan. have, like, actual concrete proof, okay? Yeah. We do, well, and, like, just really quick before you go in, Roxanne, like, on this cons article... But when that being the first thing, part of me was like, okay, there are legit reasons to not like this show. I completely understand that. But the article kind of loses credibility for me when people, any article does, when they call it a laugh track, just because I'm like, did you do your research? Like, this is very easy to look up that there isn't one. Yeah, just it, it bothers me personally because, like, I know for a fact there isn't one. And I know they don't hold up signs and tell you what to do. And Roxanne will explain it a lot better than I can. But whenever I see that argument, I'm just like, but this is wrong. Like, a lot of the times I'm like, that's an opinion, that's an opinion. Opinion, but just there's a laugh track like that's just wrong and so that's why it, that probably bothers me more than anything else because it's just not true but go ahead and explain it Roxanne okay well with the whole laugh track issue like the term laugh track I think like specifically it's referring to like if they're just canned laughter or they're just adding in laughter and it's the live audience who's actually there at the recording watching and laughing as they're doing the show so that's just one thing. And there are some people who will be like, okay, well, yeah, I know it's a live audience, but they're still being told when to laugh or they're still like adding on to it and making it more than it actually is. And I've been to like a lot of tapings of the show. So first of all- She's been to more than 50, so yes. she knows. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so first of all, there's like no sign or direction on when to laugh. Like I- I've heard, like, some people say at, like, talk shows there was a sign. Like, they're very well, maybe. But as far as Big Bang Theory, with their setup, there are no, like, flashing signs or directions. Like, okay, laugh now. There were a few episodes I was at when they told us not to react to something. Like, either the audience was cheering at something or, like, we were awing or giving some sort of audible reaction. And they asked us to be quiet there or to not do that because they wanted it... They, they, they didn't want the reaction there or they said it would make it harder to edit like, edit together later if they if they did have us. So there are a couple times where they told us not to react, but never any times when they told us specifically to do something. And then also, like, the cast has talked about this also. They really do use the audience as sort of, like, a way to judge how well a scene is going or how well a joke is landing. I can't really... I was trying to look back at, like, my old taping notes or think of, like, specific examples. I couldn't really think of anything... But I know there were at least a good handful of times where I was like there watching a taping and there was some joke or some line and I thought like, oh, that really wasn't that funny or, oh, that I bet that didn't, like it didn't get a big reaction or laugh from the audience. And then like they almost always do every scene at least a couple of times. 
just to get all the coverage but then so then they'll go back and do the scene again and then they'll have a new line there or a new joke or something different and there have been times where there will be like a long pause like between takes and then they'll come back and they'll have like rewritten like a handful of lines in the scene oh what was the one i went to this season i think it was um, yeah penny's line or the whole thing about like the succubus or whatever succubus Yes. Yeah, in the hallway episode. That wasn't originally in the first take that they did. And they must have paused for at least like 10 minutes or so. And we're just kind of like waiting and we're watching the cast. And that's when like Kaylee and Mayim started doing some dancing or whatever. But they were basically just waiting. And then they came back and then they had that new line. And that got such a better reaction than whatever it was they had the first time. So yeah, and sometimes they'll rewrite lines like four or five times, no joke, like just doing like take after take and trying different things. And usually whatever they do on like the last take is what ends up finally being used in the show Um, because they'll finally reach the point where it's like, okay, that got the reaction that they were hoping for. And then as far as like the laughter being too much, like I honestly, like when I'm there, like at a taping because of just like, the atmosphere and you're around other fans and you're excited about being there. I laughed a lot more like at the taping than I would ever laugh at the episodes, just watching it at home by myself. So that's part of why there's a lot of laughter. And then also just like when they have new lines and they switch things up, just like the surprise of it being like, you're watching the same scene again, but then a line is different and that's not what you're expecting. So then that would lead to more laughter. And if anything, I'd say that the laughter on like what you see in the episodes that air is actually toned down a bit from what's at the tapings. There were some tapings I remember where like they would do a scene like multiple times and they would still be part of the scene or like one line. I just couldn't hear what they were saying because the audience laughter was going on too loud or it was like going over them speaking and I was just never able to catch it. And then when it airs on TV, they like cut the laughter back a little bit so it's not actually while they're talking so you can understand it clearly. So... Yeah, that's basically what I have to say about the laugh track. Two words. Bob Newhart. Bob I'm Newhart. Sorry. Bob Newhart. He was a guest on the show, and he yeah. absolutely oh. refused to be on a show to be, be on a show with a laugh track, and he told Chuck Lorre straight up, like, I will not be on the show if it uses a laugh track, because that was a constant criticism of his show, that they used a laugh track, which yeah. was never true. Yep. We really liked that. We talked about that on ours. Like, he said that one thing he really enjoyed about this show is that there isn't a laugh track and that they do use a live audience because you get to play off of that. And just like on what Roxanne was saying, like, at the one I was at, like, it was the one where um, Penny wasn't sure if she was going to stay with Leonard and, you know, Sheldon was, you know, trying to figure out how to react to that and everything. And there was that scene in Penny's bedroom where Sheldon finally kind of admitted that he wasn't doing it for selfish reasons. He was doing it for Leonard when he walks back in the room and says, please don't hurt my friend. And on that actual episode, you know, there was complete silence, but we awed every single time at that line. And it wasn't there because I think Penny's response was coming too quickly. So it was kind of covering her up. Um, But in terms of adding it, like I know I was only at the one, but like Roxanne's been to so many and they've never added laughter where there was none. It's just been a case where they wanted us to be silent. Um, and I was actually telling one of my friends about this. Her and her mom are big fans um, right after I flew out there. And they were just completely floored when I told them there were no signs. Because, you know, at basketball games, they're holding up chants. You know, they're doing all that. 
and the audience there is like coached, especially in like student sections at basketball games and stuff. I know my sister's a member of those and they have to get there like an hour before so that they can be coached and how to react. And when I told them that there was nothing like that, they were just completely surprised. And now like, I don't think they can mention Big Bang Theory in passing conversation with random people without mentioning that because they just think it's so cool. So, quick question, just a little bit of a side note, and I've been curious, like, how, how much is it to go to, uh, like, what, what's the process of going to a taping? Like, like do you have to pay for tickets? Like, how, how does that work? Um, basically, you get them through this website, um, tvtickets.com. And they have tickets for a lot of different TV shows. So basically, you look up the show on their site, and they have a list of all of the upcoming taping dates. And then the tickets are released on their website 30 days before the taping date. But if the 30-day mark falls on the weekend, like it does for Big Bang Theory, since they tape on Tuesdays, and it goes up on the next weekday. So basically, you have to get on their website and be sure you're on on the right day when you know that tickets will be released. And then they go up in the morning. So you get on the site and you just refresh. And basically on Monday mornings, when Big Bang Theory tickets goes up, the site just crashes. (laughs) Like when I started going to tapings in season three, the site would slow down a little bit. But we were still able to like consistently get through for tickets. And now it's like it, it just crashes and you just have to keep refreshing and refreshing. And it's really just a lot of luck now at this point if you're able to get through on the site to get them. And the tickets are free. And it used to be that everybody was on standby with the free tickets, and it was just, like, you lined up and first come, first serve um, the day of the taping. Go back. You said that they're free? Yeah. You don't have to pay to, like, go see Big Bang Theory early? No, yeah, it's free. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. Um, But now there are... Sorry. Yes. That got me. So, yeah, it's free. And then now, though, there are... They release a set number of guaranteed tickets, where if you're able to get one of those, and so long as you're, like, in line and checked in by, like, 4.30 or 5.30 or whatever time they set it as, then you're guaranteed a seat in the audience. And then after that, they have the standby tickets, where after all of the VIPs are in and all of the guaranteed tickets, then if you have a standby ticket, they'll start letting some of those people in. Um, so it just kind of complicated the process even more. But, yeah, it's basically if you can luck out and get tickets and get through on the website. And they do, at least they used to, I'm assuming they still do now, like occasionally they would release a few more tickets, like either like the day right before taping or randomly throughout the week, like if people cancel and they'll have some more come up. So if you just check the website randomly, you might luck out and see some tickets um, when there's not like the huge rush for them. But generally the best time is like you have to count back the 30 days and be on that morning and spend like an hour longer refreshing and trying to get through. Yeah, and, like, I wouldn't have been able to go if it wasn't for Roxanne in more ways than one. Like, she let me stay with her, and, like, that was really nice. She got me from the airport and did all that. But, like, she had gotten so good at, like, procuring the tickets by then. She actually, like, I had told her I didn't think I'd be able to go. And I was actually, we were going to Alcatraz Island that day. I was on vacation. And she texted me, and she was like, hey, so tickets for this one went up, and I got you one. So, like, if you just want to, like, talk to your parents. And I was just like, okay, so... I, like, came up with this, like, really long list of why I think they should let me go because even though I was old enough, like, you have to be 18 to go. It was the whole, like, I would have to use one of their cars to get to the airport and blah, blah, blah. And so I talked to them and they let me go. But Roxanne, I would not have been able to get a guaranteed ticket because I wouldn't know how to work the site. And I wouldn't have gone if I just had standby. So it's completely Roxanne's fault because she was just so good at it at that point. 
Roxanne, but, yeah. if I ever like come out that way, you and I, I let's do this. Okay. <laughs> I would love that because I I always wanted to go to a taping and just like see how the whole process works. And I've never been on a on a television or movie set or anything like that before, which is sad because like Walking Dead films like an hour away from me, and I've never actually gone out to see it. But yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I really like people. Like some people would go to a taping and be like, okay, that was fun once, but I don't really want to do it again because it's like a long night. But I just really loved, like, the whole, like, I was talking about how they rewrite scenes. Like, I loved seeing, like, that behind-the-scenes aspect and, like, how they, like, play out the episode and trying different things. And, like, you get to see all the bloopers and just, like, the cast, like, interacting with each other backstage. Like, that was all, like, why I kept going back, just for that aspect of it. And I was really excited that, like, two bloopers from the one I was at made it on the blooper reel for that season. So I was like, yay. Um, when I was watching them with my parents, I was like, that was from, that was from mine, that was from mine. Um, and we had a really entertaining audience that night, too. So it was a really good time. Now, that is something that I will say, because um, I'm a theater major, and an audience can really just change the, the dynamic of a show. I mean, there'd be times where we'd be doing comedy, and, like, some audiences, they just would never laugh, and then we'd have other audiences who were just, like, falling over, and it changes the entire energy of how mm-hmm. a show goes that day. I was gonna say, the cast has talked about how, like, how they have, like, the live audience. It really, like, makes it like a play as they go through the episode, like, scene by scene. Right when I was getting into Big Bang Theory, like, the previous few years, but prior to that, I was, like, super into, like, musical theater and... Um, seeing like all these different shows and I'm still into it now but not as much as I was at that point so I think that was also part of like why I love the taping so much because it was the same thing you know like live performance and who knows what's going to happen so yeah and what was really cool just about the audience that I went to was it was like the week after like they'll often have like scientific people or like current event science people that they'll invite to come and be a part of the audience and I went the week after Curiosity got landed on Mars, and the Curiosity landing team was part of our live audience. Whoa! So, exactly. So I was totally, like, I didn't realize, they were really entertaining. Like, this one guy, he was just, like, cheering for audience members during the little games the entire time, and he was, like, super enthusiastic, and we have, like, a colloquialism phrase that came out of that, but at the end, they were like, okay, we want to, like, call out these guys curiosity just landed on mars these are the guys that did it and we were like oh my gosh and i was like totally fangirling over audience members because i loved space and nasa and all that other stuff and the fact that like the mars rover landing team was in the audience with me like i was like so close to them like that was kind of a geek out moment for me well i I hate to cut this short but um we still have a lot to go over and i'm just so hard time but guys, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> I would love, I would, I would love just to hear your stories from set. Maybe, maybe <laughs> special. Yeah, Roxanne has a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love that. Maybe summer when we're not doing like school and it's not Christmas and I'm not at retail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now the, another point that a lot of people, and I, I've been reading articles that a lot of people say that this was a very sexist move on them was losing Leslie Winkle. I miss Leslie. I wouldn't have wanted her to be like a regular because she did kind of irritate me. But I just find it really sad that she's gone. And like somebody pointed out, and I find this really sad, like the last episode she was in, you know, Leonard was 
wanting to see if she wanted to hook up, and she goes, let me think about it, and closes the door, and Leonard stands there for a second, and then goes, she's not coming back, and walks away, and that was the last time we saw Leslie, so now when I watch that scene, I'm like, she's not coming back, and it makes me really sad. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily, like, sit around thinking, like, boy, Leslie should be back, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't mind if she was. I actually don't really think I miss Leslie. Like, <laughs> it's not that I ever disliked her, but I was never like a huge fan of her either. So it's like, if she was there more, okay, I wouldn't mind it. But I'm also, I'm also not like, oh, like I wish they would bring her back. I don't think that it's like sexist that they cut her though. Like, I don't think it's because like, oh, we don't need like that woman character on the show. I think they really just couldn't find a way to use her. Which maybe like some people would be like, oh, well. Like, if they really wanted to use her, they could have found a way. But I guess just at that point in time and, like, with the storylines that they had going on, they just, it wasn't working out trying to fit her in with what else they had going there. Now, this is also, just 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 to play with the argument a little bit, a lot of people think it's also a lot of it is the fact that she was so smart and she was just as smart as the guy, and they consider it sexist because she was a smart female character and they took her off the show. And I a lot of people think that's the reason why they brought in Bernadette and Amy because they're both very smart women as well. They have a different to me. They're way nicer than Leslie ever was. But what do what do you think about that point? Like they took her off because a lot, a lot of people flat out will say that Chuck Lorre is a sexist pig, and that's why you know there's no women on Two and a Half Men, and you know that's why all the girl characters are quote unquote weaker, and I'm saying quote unquote than the male characters on this show. I don't agree with that. It's not my, but I'm just saying that that was something I saw in a lot of articles. Yeah, I, well, I really can't defend Chuck Lorre in any sentence that mentions Two and a Half Men because I can't stand that show. But in terms of Leslie, I think it's less that she was a smart female character and more like she just wasn't somebody that the guys would hang out with. Like, even at the beginning, it was just, oh, Leonard can't get with Penny. Maybe he should get with someone more like him. Oh, look, it's Leslie. And I think that they were just kind of trying to play up the whole Roseanne reunion, too. Um, but at that point, she already slept with and, like, kind of aggressively dumped and kind of was cold about it to two of the four guys. So I just think that she just kind of phased out of their lives. But that's just the way that's just the way that I always thought of it. Um, but I did, I do, you know, kind of wish she was around to call Sheldon out on some of his shit sometime. Like in the episode where they were doing the physics bowl and she wasn't going to join their team until they mentioned they were against Sheldon. And she's like, that misogynistic East Texas doorknob. And like that was her way of getting on the team was because she just called Sheldon out on his crap. But I think it was more that their personalities just clashed too much and she didn't really fit with their group than the fact that she was a smart woman. I mean, like, Barry, he shows up, but even he doesn't show up too much, and he didn't really show up at all until Leslie was starting to, you know, be phased out. And, you know, they're not exactly ever really welcoming him into the group. He just sort of shows up. And Leslie was never a character that just sort of, like, showed up unless they ran into each other in the cafeteria. And I was reading that the actress that plays Leslie is also a producer, um, she's running like her own television shows and stuff like that and that she chose to leave because she was just more busy than she thought originally she would be. Yeah, I was and she is on the say, top, so. Yeah, yeah, because of the other stuff she's doing, I, I wasn't sure how much her like leaving the show was a mix of like her just not really being available anymore to appear. Um, like maybe the writers would be, you know, welcome to having her back, but it's just because she has so much other stuff going on, they're just not able to make it work. 
I mean, I think I think Sarah has said on the talk, like when she had Johnny or one of the cast members on, that she really enjoyed it, but she had so much going on. Like, I don't remember what guests they were on, and I don't know where I could find a source for that because I don't even know how long the talk's been on now. But I believe she has mentioned at some point that it was due to scheduling problems. I agree uh, with you guys. I do miss Leslie, but at the same time, like, I, I think the void has been kind of filled with Bernadette and Amy. So maybe if she came back, like, once or twice, I wouldn't mind. But if she didn't pop up again, I'd be okay with that. I I kind of – actually, I take that back. I want to see her come up again for a Howard arc where Howard was just like, God, I can't believe I slept with her. I, honey, yeah. I love you way too much. That yeah, she, she's not first on my list of characters I really need to see again, but I'm not necessarily, like, glad she's not around anymore. Yeah. The next point on this one was there are too many geek references and too many jokes are built and that the show relies on the fact that they use these geek jokes and sometimes expect you to know what they are. I mean, I, I don't see that one to some extent, but go ahead, Roxanne. I was going to say, I don't really just, I feel like I don't know how to respond to that. Like, it's, if you don't like make a lot of references in your show, and shows, maybe it's just more of like a preference thing, but I've never really seen something that's like a weakness of the show and that they have a lot of references. I'm going to uh, read straight from the article because um, I think that described, I, I think I didn't present this right. They said that, Lazy writers have learned that it's easier to skip the jokes and just make your own punchlines references to things that are your target audience and that they dimly remember these things from their childhood. Obviously, the worst proponent of the style is humor is Family Guy, but the Big Bang Theory rolls around it like a big dog in its own vomit. Never seen goes without a shout-out to some cultural tidbit, and none of them actually mean anything. It's just cheap. Well, I feel like there's no really way for any show to win on this type of situation. If you get way too specific in your references, you know, you aren't going to have as many viewers because they're not going to understand them. But if you don't have enough stuff targeting an audience, then they're going to complain you're too mainstream. So I feel like considering the fact that Big Bang Theory does have references and it's so popular, I don't really think that there's a way you can win on that spectrum but I think it's doing a pretty good job since its purpose, any sort of television's purpose, is to be profitable and to entertain. And given the ratings and the revenue that the show's coming in, I think that it's definitely doing what it's trying to do. Yeah, and I've never seen Family Guy, um, so I can't, like, I, I can't compare or, like, know exactly what's the humor is that's going on there. It's, it's the references in Family Guy is, like, Big Bang Theory times, like, two or three. Okay. <laughs> like, a lot of their... As much as I do love um, Seth MacFarlane, and I, I do like his work, uh, a lot of his jokes do refer and, like, rely on their references. That, I think, is the more closer example to this article than what they're making in this argument. Yeah, I don't know. Like, in Big Bang Theory, like, I feel like, I, like I'll like i just appreciate the references, even though, like, some of them, like I said, are ones I don't necessarily fully understand um, or I'm just not as familiar with myself. But most of, like, I don't necessarily find the humor in them, like, oh, they're referencing this, oh, that's great, and I'm laughing at that. It's more of the other, like, all of the other humor, I feel like, that the show has with different characters and their snark or their sarcasm and comebacks. Like, that's where I find a lot of the humor. And in the cast, like, all of the cast is great with, like, their comedic timing. So I find the humor in the show comes a lot more from there, and I wouldn't call it lazy writing as opposed to just, like, how many references they can throw in an episode. 
I will say something I think that they do well is they build well on their jokes that they've made and show like rock, paper, li- scissors, lizard, Spock. Someone who maybe started watching later in the season, if they never saw that initial episode, they probably had no idea what that was. Like when, when it came up when Sheldon wanted to do it with, with Kripke. But I think someone who has watched in the beginning and has watched the buildup through that, I think that makes that moment with Kripke much you know, it makes it funnier and nicer because they've already had seen that previous episode and it's built well with them within the show. And I I think they build their own jokes really well. Yeah. And they have enough jokes that you can understand if it's just, if it's your first episode or if you're watching out of order. But I do like, you know, like sometimes they do do jokes that just the people who have been watching a lot are going to understand because, you know, within a lot of, like, you have to think about it. Like it is a scripted show, but it is about a group of friends and groups of friends will have inside jokes. Mm. So I think it's realistic and it's fun for us when we're like, that was totally from three years ago and you brought it back. So yeah, I think they have a pretty good balance overall. Yugio's next point is that other geek shows do it better. And they use the examples of Futurama, uh, the, the IT crowd community, um, and some and some of these other shows that do use, and I will say Community is awesome from what I've seen to it. I need to sit down and watch it, but they do work really well with their nerd references, too. Seeing the other shows do it better is just a lot of preference, personal preference on what your different people's humor style is or what you enjoy. Because, like, I've watched, I haven't seen Futurama, but um, I've watched Community since the first season, and I love it. I've seen most of the IT crowd I know I've seen like Freaks and Geeks brought up a lot of time, the time I feel like as like a comparison, um, as like a show that does it better. And like, I do enjoy those other shows, but like for me, like Big Bang Theory is just the one that I ended up connecting to the most. And for whatever reason, the characters on the Big Bang Theory are the ones I got the most invested in. So I think it's great that like we have all these other shows that we can choose from. But yeah, uh, seeing other shows do better, I think it's, it's just preference. I completely agree. Being in the Sherlock fandom, I always get upset when I see people fighting, like, who's better, like, Benedict Cumberbatch or Johnny Lee Miller Sherlock? Well, they're two different shows set in two different uh, cities with two different kinds of Sherlock. Like, you, it's just, it's like apples and oranges. Like, mm-hmm. when you say that Futurama is better than Big Bang Theory, it's really just depends on what sort of things you like. I mean, maybe, I, I, I love Futurama, but I, I and I, I've watched it for years, and I like a lot of the stories in Futurama, but it's a completely different setting. I mean, it's a completely different set of characters. To me, you just cannot compare the two. Like, this is going to be, like, a really drastic example, but, like, my favorite drama of all time was JAG, which is military, like, lawyers. And then my favorite sitcom of all time is Big Bang Theory, which is socially awkward, nerdy, scientist, geek people. And my sister asked me recently, and, like, my friends have asked me, which of those shows do you like better? And I'm like, you just can't compare them. And I know that's more of a drastic example, but I don't feel like you can compare shows of a certain theme. Like, the only thing you can compare is, like, maybe, like, okay, Friends in its time period versus How Much Your Mother in its time period, because at least they have the single 20-somethings in New York City angle. But just comparing across, I think, the geek nerd spectrum, that's so much harder because that's such a complex category. God, there's subcultures within the subcultures within the backgrounds of the subcultures. Like, you have your Star Wars geek, your Star Trek geek. Sometimes they mix, sometimes they don't. It's like like Georgia Tech and Georgia football. I mean, like, sometimes they mix, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have mixed households. I cannot believe I just made a sports reference, especially to football, which is a sport I just (laughs) do not like. Oh, my God. 
But I mean, like, God, and then you have like your furries, you have your cosplayers. Within your cosplayers, you have your closet cos cosplayers. You have your people who do contests. You have your group cosplayers, which is a completely different dynamic. You have, like, the people who do concerted cosplayer versus, like, skanky cosplayers. I shouldn't say skanky. That's a very bad word to use for cosplayers. But then more scantily clad cosplayers. Like, just within cosplaying alone, which is a section of a fandom within many multiple fandoms, has its own, like, subcultures. Like, it's so hard to just pinpoint a lot of this. Yeah. Did I make sense? <laughs> yes. Okay, it did. Yeah. You did. Next point they point out, next point they point out, <laughs> is Sheldon. Um, they wrote that there's a common tendency in many sitcoms to abandon the original premise when one character becomes more popular than the others. Probably the best examples is Family Matters, which eventually just became a showcase of the antics of Steve Urkel. In this case, it's Big Bang Theory that the character is Sheldon Cooper, the Asperger's-esque theoretical physicist. Sheldon has become more and more the focus of the show, which is illustrate, uh, which just illustrates the grating, obnoxious qualities of his characters. But the show wants to have it both ways, with you laughing at Sheldon. Say, notice how they say laughing at Sheldon, but also empathizing with him, and it just doesn't work. There have been times when the show was like too Sheldon heavy at periods, but as a whole, I still don't feel like it's gone too off the rails. With just like every single episode being focused on him. And like he like and then we have also said like there have been times where like Sheldon does great on annoying or like why don't you understand this yet? But I still don't think it's as bad as some people say it is. I prefer episodes where the the non Sheldon characters are doing something and Sheldon is reacting to them than episodes where Sheldon's just like out of control the entire episode. I definitely agree with that. I like watching him be a fish out of water than watching, you know, them watching him do his antics. I think that's a very... Yeah, like, the CW repeat today was the peanut reaction, so where Penny wanted to throw Leonard at a surprise party. So Sheldon trying to figure out how that worked, that that's the type of formula that I like. Where they're doing stuff that Sheldon's uncomfortable with or unfamiliar with, and he's trying to figure out how he fits into that. I feel like this article's a little bit older. Uh, it was 2012, so it wasn't too long ago. But um, when it comes to Sheldon Mania, as they title it, I feel like that was, like, right in the time before Amy and the girls came back um, and came in. Because that about season three was the time that I was feeling a little miffed by Sheldon more and more. Because it was a lot of the same things, but I feel like they fixed that bringing in Amy. Yeah, it's definitely better. Their last one. And I definitely agree with this, and I see in your notes that you guys agree with this as well as well. And they point out that the word Bazinga is overused and is only there for merchandise, and it's also trademarked by Warner Brothers. I hate Bazinga. It was funny at first, and if it's used correctly, fine. But people will tweet things, like they'll tweet me, and they'll just be like, hey, follow me, Bazinga. And I'm like, okay, you're aware you said follow me, just kidding, right? Or they'll be like, Bazinga, I hope everyone has a good day. And I'm like, so you're hoping my day isn't good? Like, like, there was even a commercial that said that people go Bazinga for the Big Bang Theory. And I'm like, that does not make sense. Bazinga means gotcha. Bazinga means I'm kidding. And it's not Bazinga that bothers me. It's the fact that, like, especially with syndication, a lot of the people, they hear Bazinga before they see the episode where they know what it means. And what bothers me, because it's not too overused in the show, it's just the fact that the fandom and the viewers, they, they use it wrong all the time. And that's what upsets me. And now I just can hardly stand to even look at the word. 
I don't think that like, they came up with they stuck in Bazinga just for merchandise. It was just like they saw how it took off with the fans and then they were just like, okay, well, let's run with this. As far as like, and it was kind of like used a lot at the show at one point and now it's gotten like very sparingly. But like, I loved on the show um, Sheldon's Bazinga Punk Now or Even when he yeah. came out of the couch. That's my favorite. That's one. Because that was amazing. But yeah, just like in general, I like Bazinga's on like half of like the Big Bang Theory merchandise you can buy. And I don't want to buy something that just says like Bazinga. I want something with the characters. I, I work at a Hot Topic. And when we were running, um, strongly running Big Bang Theory shirts, I would say four out of our seven shirts had the word Bazinga on it somewhere. I do have a shirt that has Bazinga on it, but my roommate drew me for Secret Santa freshman year of college, and that's what she got me just because she knew I didn't already have it. And I will wear it, but it's mostly like a to-bed type shirt rather than like an out-in-public shirt just because I've grown to not like the word as much. But I love Haley. She's not listening, I know, but I love her. I just want to say that. But she's the reason why I have it. My feelings on Bazinga is I originally liked it. Um, I loved the original episode, like in the ball pit, when it really came up. And, but now every time I watch that episode, I have trouble watching it because it's become such a big thing. And you do hear it all the time. And I think it's not that it's overused within the show, because like you guys said, they've really become very sparing with the Bazinga. It's overused, as you said, with fans and with merchandise. Yeah, like the first episode it was in was the season two finale, and I liked it then just because... I, I thought it was funny then, but just the fans have kind of made it into, like, okay, this is getting really old. No, my other favorite Bazinga is, I forgot, it was either Howard or Leonard, but someone was telling Sheldon their feelings, and he said something, like, really sweet. They're like, really? And he's like, Bazinga, I don't care. <laughs> That's my favorite, my other favorite one, other than the one where he popped out the couch. Yeah, that was when Penny and Bernadette, I think, were talking about their shoes, and Sheldon wanted to make fun of them, and he, like, looked at Howard and said, like, I really like your shoes. Where did you get them? And Howard just stared at him, and then he's like, Bazinga, I don't care. Yeah. Um, so I like that one, too. And their last big point, we're going to talk about this probably in a couple of different ways. So I'm going to say it, and then hear you guys' rebuttal and move on, because it does come up in a few kind of different arguments. It's not really how geeks are. Yeah, I, I'm going to go last because I am, like, in a ton of fandoms, and I've been to four conventions, and I can count in over the course of 12 years, so I'm going to comment last. I relate, I consider myself both a geek and a nerd, and I relate more to these guys than what a lot of these articles describe to be a, like, quote, true geek or true nerd. And like you were saying earlier, just about how there's so many subcultures within subcultures, um... I do know people who are like these guys, and on some level, I'm like all of them. I feel like if the show, like, you know, there's a quote from, I think it was Eric Kaplan, one of the writers last year, where he said on this topic, he said, it's a story, not a thesis about how everyone is. It's a collection of specific characters, and then goes on to say, like, you know, all scientists are not Sheldon, you know, who can't do this or doesn't understand this or obsessed with this, but that's, like, the story we're telling. And so... The show's not like, it's not like a documentary or like, hey, look, let's learn about nerds. It's like specific characters. And I agree that they might be part of a subculture that isn't as representative of like maybe the majority of nerds. But as I do know people who are like that, I'm just kind of like, well, you know, again, going back to that quote, like it's not a thesis. It's a story about these specific people. So if people, you know, if there are people who are nerds or geeks and, 
they don't feel like they're being represented, like they might be like, okay, this is like our, this is like a really popular show. This is a chance to portray us and it's not portraying us. I fully understand that. I just think it's a little too much of a generalization to say that it's not how geeks are because I do know people like that. And on some level I'm like that. Yeah. I was going to say, um, like the whole reason, like when I first got into the show, like I said, it was like, I liked how they obsessed the same way I obsess. So I feel like in that way, you know, like I was relating to these characters. Um, and then it really is just, like you said, really general to say it's not how geeks really are because there are so many different ways you can be a geek or so many different things you can geek out about. Like at the tapings, the guy, Mark, who's like the MC who entertains the audience, he has this like set routine that he goes through every week, like the exact same jokes every week. But one part <laughs> of his routine is he would open it up to the audience and be like, hey, if you guys want to come down here and just talk a little bit about, like, just say anything about why you love the Big Bang Theory, you can go up and do that, and he'll give you, like, a piece of candy. Um, and some weeks, more people went up than other weeks. But I don't, like, countless people, I don't know how many people I heard who they would go up and either say, like, these guys are just like me and my friends, or there'd be, like, some people who'd be like, these are just, like... Um, like I like I'm like Penny and I married a Leonard basically but like all of these people who would go up like every week basically and relate to the show and basically say like that's my life like that's how we are so not everybody can relate exactly to these characters but there are still lots and lots of people who do relate to them like that yeah and like there's been 148 tapings and I've only been to one and like I distinctly remember this one guy saying like this show kind of tells the world like look people like me exist and he said that he was really grateful to it for that so like Roxanne said like it's not going to fit everybody but it I think it's too general to say that just flat out geeks aren't like this and I'm gonna just say straightforward we we do do this shit (laughs) like we used to I remember the Star Trek episode where they were cosplaying as Star Trek and they got stuck in the middle of the desert and they decided it's like the perfect place to take pictures of their costumes (laughs) we do that shit all the time in cosplay (laughs) and we'll we'll be at a convention and we'll just be walking and be like oh my god that's like the perfect background let's take some pictures like like, that's something that we do I mean um, there was I was god what was it like a Hitalia meetup for Hitalia's an anime and we were just like hanging out and someone was like you know those flowers look like that one scene and they're like oh my god it's take like we do stuff like that that's and i think a lot of people is just taking it a little bit too serious because of the fact that they don't see themselves in it and i know i'm gonna be a big hypocrite in my next point in this next argument (laughs) but like just the little things too like i debate comics and like anime and to like once upon a time it's been my big thing because it's the, but like i had like a three-hour d- uh, panel at enchanticon recently and we were like debating the very nitpickiest stuff of once upon a time so that i could almost put money on that adam horowitz and eddie kitsis has never considered ever in the <laughs> show but it's it's what we do do i mean like we do dress up in crazy costumes. We get excited. We put work and effort into it. We go to conventions. We love these shows with a passion. I think my favorite episode that probably best describes this is the episode where Leonard is trying to get Penny into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That rep- re- relationship right there is me and my best friend Megan because I have always been very passionate about shows and I've always been passionate about what I love. And I do it with so much full-fledged force 
But my friend Megan, um, which you can hear in my Hitalia episode, haha, <laughs> she has just never had that sort of passion about that kind of thing. Like, you know, she likes stuff. And she told me one time that she was jealous that I love things with so much passion. And it would make her sad that she could never... I hope she doesn't get mad that I'm sharing this. No one tell her that I'm sharing this. <laughs> that she sometimes gets sad that like she didn't have the same passion. So when that episode came up and Penny and Leonard was in that exact same situation, I've never related so strongly to the Big Bang Theory than I did in that one moment. Because <laughs> like, I have lived that conversation. And I know a lot of my friends, like you know, they love stuff so much and so passionately, just like these guys... And they can't always share it in their normal lives. And that's why we do go to conventions, because then we're surrounded by thousands of people who love the same things as we do with just as much passion. And so, like, when people, I, like, someone asks me, like, why do you go to cons so much? Like, that's so boring. Like, what do you even do there? And I'm like, I'm around a thousand other people. In, in Dragon Con's case, like, 10,000 other people who love the same things I do. And it's, like, one of the only times I can be free enough to talk about these things that I love so much. Because I can't, I, like, for example, I have a, a, my boss at work. She loves Once Upon a Time, but not to the degree I can. So usually she'll be like, yeah, I like the episode, but then we won't talk about it. And I'm just like, I want to talk about these things. Yeah. That's always so hard. It, so, yeah, it, like, someone who, like, likes something, but just, like, on the surface level, and you want to be like, oh, but did you see this? And you did, did you notice this? And, like, oh, you want to get all these little nitpicky things, but you know that they won't be interested in at that level. <laughs> Though I did surprise her. I called something several weeks ago that happened a couple episodes back in Once Upon a Time, and she came to work to me the next morning, and she was like, how did you know that was going to happen? <laughs> I was like, because I yeah. analyzed this show, like, pretty much every single week, and I, I saw the signs, and she goes... That's amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, I I can see where people are just like, you know, that's not specifically what I do, but there are so many geeks and so many content nerds, and there's so many degrees of nerds. Like, oh my god, like, I'm a casual Star Wars fan, and I want to punch the Star Wars fans that, like, know every working part of the Millennium Falcon, and they will, like, like judge you if you don't know every working part of the Millennium Falcon. Those guys just piss me off, and they need to move on <laughs> to the girl. <laughs> like, well, luckily for my sake, I only know the major parts of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I know Warp Drive, and it goes fast. I wanted to now be a complete hypocrite of <laughs> my entire point I just said. 3SheetGeeks.com released an article, and they were saying uh, this was a very girl-heavy feminist sort of like article, and they were expressing about how there's no real geeky girls in it. And they were separating the uh, intelligence and science nerds, which is Amy and Bernadette, away from being a geeky girl. While I, I, I do agree, I would I was hoping that Lucy would be that geeky girl, and I was really upset when she said, like, oh, I don't even read comic books. That line majorly upset me, because I really want that kind of geeky girl. And a lot of it is because, you know, myself, like, I just, I, I, while I say I am girl Leonard, I feel like I shouldn't have to say I'm girl Leonard. I should say, like, oh, that person is me. But at the same time, Geek women have a completely different set of problems than geek men. And I would love to see some of those explored on the show. Like, for example, and it pisses me off so much, and I do it all the time, geeky girls have to prove that they're geeky. And they have to prove their worth as nerds, which is the... I, I do it all the time. And it and I know all my girlfriends do it all the time. Um, my friend Shelly Hubbard knows comic books better than any man I know, but she has to defend the fact that she knows comic books so well on a constant level. 
and I, I did it a couple weeks ago. We had a shirt with Iron Patriot on it, and uh, Iron Patriot recently was Rhodey in the comics, but the the one they used on it was a comic was from uh, when a bad guy had the, the suit in the comics, and so this guy was looking at it, and I was like, and I was just joking, and I was like, hey, that's the Green Goblin, just because I knew who it was, and he looked at me and was like, how do you know that? You're, and he gave me that look, and I'm like, because I read comics? And he looked at me and said, you don't read comics, you're a girl. And I flew off at him. I was like, well, just so you know, that's Norman Osborn. And he, the reason he's Iron Patriot right now, because it was just after Civil War, and he had to fill the void from the Avengers not being there after the Civil War. So he kicked them all out and pretty much stole Tony's armor. And, like, and I, I went through the entire plot line from Civil War to Siege of why that was that one character. <laughs> And it took me like five minutes to do, and his jaw just dropped because he just couldn't believe that I knew my shit about comics. And and also like girls have problem with cosplay. You know, people uh, we have, and it's not all guys. I'm gonna throw this out there now. It is not all guys that do this. But a lot of people think that when you're wearing a scantily clad costume, it's okay to touch girls, and that is not okay. And now on the flip side, I do know when like a really well buffed guys, shirtless, a lot of girls try to touch guys, and I kind of feel like, now if Zack ever hung out with him, that would be an interesting storyline, where if he's like doing like Conan the Barbarian or something, and he's shirtless, and these girls keep touching him, and he comes really uncomfortable with it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. But I, I think having a geek girl on the show, while it's not necessary, would open up several more storylines that would be interested to balance between geek girls and geek boys. That was a long spiel on my half. I, I want to say first off, like, I think that at this point in the show, if they added girl characters like that to at least recur, I would love it, and I think it would make sense. Um, but a lot of the arguments I hear are, why are the guys all dating non-nerds, and why aren't there girls in the comic book store? And like I had said at the beginning when I, like, introduced myself, like, I kind of have an angle that I approach it where I think it makes sense. Just, like, why these specific characters, you know, why, I mean, in this specific setting is what I'm saying. Like, there are socially awkward men who aren't comfortable around women, like those men exist, and you also have creepy guys who girls wouldn't want to be around. So you've got, like, these socially awkward guys, so they're going to have a tendency to hang around other people in their comfort level, which are, like, other socially awkward men. So, like, you get a bunch of socially awkward men together, and in their general area is a socially awkward guy who owns a comic book store, so all the guys go there. And that place also attracts, you know, creepers. Um, and this comic book store, like, isn't super super profitable in the first place. Like, Stuart has, like, repeatedly claimed financial difficulty. He said he's living in the comic book store. He gets upset when people don't buy stuff because he doesn't make any money. So I think that the fact that maybe he doesn't have women employees are because we've never seen another employee. And honestly, if I had a bunch of socially awkward men who there are creepers mixed in there, too, I wouldn't go to that comic book store. I would find other comic book stores that are, like, bigger and less uncomfortable. So I think for that specific situation, it makes sense that there aren't any in that one, and it kind of ties into what you were saying, Hope, about how, like, some guys make assumptions about, like, females or, like, nerds, and they're just, like, the whole environment of Stuart's comic book store I don't think would be comfortable for women. And the only reason that Penny can go in there is because, you know, she's with these guys. Um, but now this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but there will be an episode, I don't know if it airs in January or February, but they just taped it, and I heard, and there's an article that got released where Stewart is going to have a rival comic book store owner, and this comic book store is going to be really big, it's going to have a ton of customers, it's going to be super successful. So there's going to be a lot of extras, and I think it's pretty likely 
given what we're assuming the storylines are for that episode based on the press release, um, it's likely that I think Amy or Bernadette, probably Bernadette, might go to that comic book store. And if she walks into this super successful comic book store that is completely draining Stuart of all of his profit, and they have the same thing where everybody stops and stares when a female walks in, or they still make a joke, like maybe Stuart will be like, you may be the more successful comic book store, but I had girl customers before you, then I will like completely concede that the show is generalizing and stereotyping way too much. I just think that the specific situation in terms of the girls being with the comic book store is just because of the type of people that are in there, and I don't think that the environment would be comfortable for them. I'm going to support you on that one, only because um, I used to work for a comic book store. You know, I saw how many girls came into our store. Now, granted, we were a, a successful store that I worked in, and so I saw girls in and out all the time. We had a rival, and they were complete assholes to me. I felt really uncomfortable there because the guy was just like, you shouldn't read that one. And I was like, um, excuse you, I, I like Thor. Because Thor is my favorite of all the Marvel comics, and I, you know, I, I wanted to get the new issue, and he was just like, you only like him because he's pretty. And I was just like, yeah. I shouldn't be judged for what I like. And so I do have to agree with that. I never actually thought of it that way of maybe it is just Stewart's atmosphere fear. Um, we will have a chance to see that though. Um, yeah. So like we will, and like, I will, like if you know Bernadette or Penny or Amy or whoever, I'm assuming Bernadette, but um, if they walk in and like thousands of people stop and stare and there's not a single female extra and all that, then I will be like, okay, this is definitely a flaw. But just with the information that we've been given so far, that's kind of what I've taken out of it. And, like, in terms of I've heard complaints, like, guys aren't, the guys aren't with the girls that are super fan to me. I know, like, at least for Leonard, like, this has been said a lot by, like, Lori and Prady earlier, that, like, the guys are wanting to, like, break out of their world, not, like, leave it behind, but, like, experience a broader circle, but they're socially awkward and they don't know how and they're kind of stuck in that, like, you know, Stuart circle I was just mentioning. And, like, Penny moves in, and Leonard, like, has a crush on her, so he makes an effort to be in her life. And what the writers have said is part of his attraction to her is the fact that she represents this new world. Bernadette, you know, was brought in because Penny knew her, but she was also a scientist, so that's kind of why, why excuse me, she fit in with Howard. And then Amy, you know, she was brought in because of Howard Raj, but, like, she does have intellect. So sometimes you want to date people that are like you, but sometimes you want to date people that compliment you. So I think it makes sense that the guys specifically aren't dating women that are necessarily fan to me. Um, but that said, you know, now that they're becoming more socially adept and they're kind of widening their circle, um, I definitely think, again, I don't think it's necessary, but I definitely think it would be good if there was a character, a female character that was into fandom and into stuff like that, that they could bring in at least as a recurring character. Um, but just because I've been defending the show a lot on this, like, I'm not saying that, like, girls don't have to prove they're nerds, and I'm not trying to make excuses on that front for, like, society in general, because I saw this post on Tumblr, and it was, like, Natalie Portman wearing, like, a sci-fi type shirt, and one of the comments was, this chick probably has never seen sci-fi in her life, and someone was like, Natalie Portman was in fucking Star Wars, but they were making that assumption, they were like, oh, this white chick. And I, I definitely reblogged that post because they were just like, oh, it's a girl. And I'm like, okay, one, if you are such a sci-fi guy, how do you not know who that is? 
I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Padme Amidala, but I'm like, if you're going to be all on your high horse and be like, this girl probably has no idea anything about sci-fi, I'm like, most people who know anything about sci-fi at least would be able to recognize Natalie Portman. So, like, just my defense of the show, like, in that specific instance, I feel like specifically those types of things make sense, especially with the comic book store thing. But I'm definitely not denying that, you know, there is a big problem. And that's just like the most, the biggest example I can pull to my head because I'm not saying Natalie Portman is like the perfect representation of the female nerd, but like I think she knows what science fiction is because she was kind of in half of the, one of the most well known movie franchises of all time. Roxanne, I'm so sorry. We totally drove that bus. <laughs> that's okay. Basically, just like my two cents is I like completely agree with everything Nicole said about like why Stewart's comic book store probably doesn't have like women shopping there. And I don't necessarily think it's like a flaw of the show that there haven't been any like girl geeks on the sh- on it to this point. Um, and I've honestly we've seen a few of them. Like, when are yeah, the, like when we, one? yeah, like I like that was Alice, and I like I really liked her character like in that episode, and like. It would be cool, like, if they did bring someone in, but I've honestly never, like, watched the show and been like, man, I really wish that they had a girl geek on it. But I've also never, like, like, I consider myself, like, a geek and, like, just based on, like, different things I've been in. And I've been to, like, a few cons, not nearly as many as you. But I've also, like, never, I don't think I've ever really had to, like, prove myself for the things that I was interested in. I've done a little bit of cosplay, but, like, not as much. Um, And it's more, like, Harry Potter, like, full-on robes. So, like, the creeper thing isn't really an issue. But so, like, I haven't had to face those same problems that, like, are out there. So that's just, like, not necessarily as much on my radar as it would be for other people. So, yeah, I do think it would be cool if we did see, like, eventually... Like, somebody come up on the show, but I don't think that they should necessarily be, like... It shouldn't necessarily count against them that they haven't had, like, a main character like that yet. My only problem I have with Alice is they kind of... I, I wasn't... I didn't like how they... Her costume. um, Her costume design for her. Because of the fact that she was wearing, like, darker clothes and she had, like, piercings and tattoos. Because all the geeks I know... Very few of them dress like that. Like, most of them, a lot of my girlfriends that are really huge nerds, like, my, she's going to get so mad at me that I keep bringing her up. Um, <laughs> my friend Shelly, she dresses like Bernadette, like, all the time. And she's, like, like skinny as real, beautiful, like, looks like a model, and loves comic books. Like, can, like I said, knows DC Comics better than any man I know. And I, so I had a problem with that. They chose to dress Alice kind of in that kind of darker, gothic, tattoo-piercing kind of stereotype. And like putting her in that, I kind of wish they had dressed her like Bernadette, and she had the same personality and and was just as much into like geeky stuff. Because like I yes, I have two ta- I have one tattoo. Actually, I have two tattoos. I'm about to get my third. One is a Harry Potter tattoo. My next one I'm getting in a couple weeks is gonna be a Sherlock one because I have nerd tattoos, but I don't dress like Alice. You know, I tend to wear things closer to Bernadette and Penny, kind of more comfortable clothes. And so I got really upset that the very first representation of a very fandom geeky girl was a stereotype. Yeah, I can get that. I mean, my main focus in this episode is Leonard and Priya finally going to break up. So I wasn't paying too much attention to Alice aside (laughs) from maybe that relationship can end. Because while I did think it was interesting at the beginning, I grew Priya soured for me very quickly. So I'll admit my main focus in that episode was not on Alice, but um, will Leonard and Priya break up? Um, but I, I can say, see that. I will say to defend that, all my artist friends, um, <laughs> like my friend Jackie, and she's going to kill me too for saying this, um, 
she was talking about like how she draws like all these like racy kind of comics. No, no, it's a big artist comic-y thing to draw penises. <laughs> Especially if you're a girl. <laughs> yeah, I think we beat that one in the ground. <laughs> uh, now this next article I just want to point out, they had a really good line defending the geeky, like defending like making fun of nerds and whether or not Big Bang Theory is making fun of nerds. Um, and I just really like this line. It's from popcultureblogs.dallasnews.com, and I'll put up a link in my show notes. They were comparing it to Modern Family. And by comparing it to Modern Family, they said, Sometimes actions of gay characters on Modern Family are a punchline of a joke, but that doesn't inherently mean that homosexuality itself is a joke. Just these characters are worth laughing at sometimes. And that's how I feel about Big Bang Theory, because, like, being in fandoms, we do stupid shit all the friggin' time. And... But and I, I really like that defense that even though that I mean you're you're laughing at the characters in the situation, you're not laughing at the subculture. Yeah, and that kinda goes to like within the character group themselves, I think. Like I know a lot of people last year, you know, Penny had made that comment about how nobody has played D and D with girls before. And before that episode aired, Bill had tweeted, like, remember, guys, things that Penny says are things that she believes and not things that everybody believes. I'm so glad that you said that, because I listened to that episode of your podcast, and I'm so glad that you guys told me that, because that line did make me furious. I was furious at that line, and then when I heard that on your podcast, it made so much sense, because it's true. It's, It's Penny's point of view not everyone so thank you for saying that because you made not angry at penny anymore (laughs) you're welcome um and it kind of reminds me i just wanted to compare it to friends for a second there was the episode the one where no one's ready where rachel (laughs) comes out of her room and says does this look like what the girlfriend of a paleontologist would wear and phoebe goes i don't know you might be the first one and like that line wasn't the cast and crew like climbing to the top of the hollywood sign with a megaphone and shouting no paleontologist has ever had a girlfriend it was a joke that Phoebe was making about Ross. So, like, Penny's comment, like, I don't know if she, if it's her point of view or if she was just making fun of Sheldon, but that's kind of the line from Friends that reminds me of it. So, yeah, a lot of it is just the character's point of view. But I wonder if the difference is because, like, geeky nerd cultures and stuff like that is so much in the media and we see it more than paleontologists. And so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, like, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, just look at the Marvel movies in, like, the last, like, ten years... Oh my god, it really has been like 10 years. Um, like, <laughs> just those, or like, just Lord of the Rings. Like, those, just, those are two examples that just shot nerds out into the forefront. So, I, I mean, like, I, I understand, like, why it would be more, like, of an uproar, just because, I don't know, I just feel like paleontologists are, like, really, really, like, you know, like, okay, we're digging up bones, like, you know, whatever. I've met a few at college. They're pretty cool guys. They can drink, like, crazy. <laughs> the ones I met could, like, hold their liquor. You know, it, it's kind of like that. So, like, there's just things where it's like, okay, this is the character's point of view. And, like, you're not going to have – you're never going to get a group of people together where, like, everybody agrees on everything or, you know, everyone has the same point of view. And, you know, it's just like you have to – I mean, people have to understand, like, in scripted shows, like, just because the character says something, it's just because, you know, the writers aren't going to make all the characters based off of their opinions. I think it's good writing when they can have a character say something that would be in character for that character, even if it's not something that the writers themselves would say. Something else I think, um, and that's like mentioned in this article, is just the fact that Big Bang Theory is a sitcom, which like is a very specific like genre of like television, and a lot of sitcoms tend to follow similar formulas. And so like there have been times like Big Bang Theory, like I don't know, random jokes where it's like 
oh, I wish they hadn't thrown that joke in there or like, I wish they could have left it a little more serious. But like, it's a sitcom. So there's going to be like more like the article says exaggerations and untruths. So it's just kind of something that you have to like kind of have to roll with, with just like the format of like what the show is. It doesn't mean that they're like, poking fun of these characters it's just like that's the style of humor that you're gonna find with this type of show that's a really good point because there are so many times in big bang theory that they'll have a really serious moment and then spoil it with a joke and you're right it's a sitcom i sometimes wish they followed like the friends method because a lot of times like friends will have a really serious moment and they'll just like let it sit or they would go to commercial so i I do Mm -hmm. wish they kind of did that more do you have to know going into a sitcom that they're looking for humor that's it from the articles. Um, the next part of what I did is I went on Facebook and I went on Tumblr and I talked to people within my podcast group and I took comments about what they thought about Big Bang Theory, whether they liked it, whether they hated it, and why, and what made them think that. And this comes from like super incredibly nerdy people, the people who aren't really that nerdy. And first and foremost, thank you everyone who did this, um, who took the time. and We had great conversations about it too on Facebook and on Tumblr and stuff like that. So thank you so much to the people who did it. I'm so sorry that I won't be able to include every single one. I took as many as I could. Um, I pulled some of the better. And a lot of, I had a lot of repeat ones. So just know that I'm very grateful that you all took time and energy to do this. And I love you all. And so, yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the entire article. And I see that you guys made notes on this. I'm going to read the entire parts of the comments first and then let you guys. Um, and we'll be quick about it because we have a couple too. So we won't talk too long. So, the first one I took was my friend Kate, and you need to know about my friend Kate, is that she's been one of the most opinionated person for, uh, and I mean opinionated in a very good way, she analyzes TV better than I know anybody else to analyze TV. Like, she has, she was the one that pretty much taught me how to analyze TV. I knew that she wasn't a fan of Big Bang Theory, and I knew I was going to hear from her. So this is what she had to say. I would say the longer it's gone on, the less about real nerd culture it's become. And the more it hurts not only nerds, but people in general. Sheldon is a horrible uh, caricature of neurotypical people when he used to be believably autistic. The jokes about Raj and Amy being gay for Howard and Penny are always awkward, homophobic, or both. These jokes are less about real nerd culture and more about the fake Hollywood version of nerd culture. Amy is creepy when she used to be a girl Sheldon. Raj has gotten more sexist in the ser- as the series progressed. And he has little personality outside the sexist, gay for Howard Indian stereotype. The nerds on the show are the same kind of nerds, too. They all read comic books, watch the same shows, play the same games. Leonard's gotten meaner, as, Sheldon, as has Sheldon, as a side effect of his fake neurosis. The guys are both geeks, fandom, and nerd academic. Unless I'm misremembering, Amy and Burnett only fall on the nerd side of the equation, while Penny may have had her brief fling with MMORPGs. She's still not geek for nerd culture the same way the guys are. And I'm sorry, Kate, I had to clip several parts of yours, too. Go! Okay. I'm not going to analyze too much. I'm just going to kind of, like, touch on. Um, I agree some of the jokes are homophobic. I don't mind when they're awkward, but I don't like it when they're homophobic. And I love this show, but I'm not going to defend everything about it, and that's something I don't like. I don't personally think Leonard's gotten meaner. I think there's more conflict between him and Sheldon, partly because it's just kind of grinding his gears, having to deal with Sheldon for, like, a long period of time. And I'm going to stop you there. This season, they've really been addressing their relationship, and it's been really great development for both characters. 
Yes, and I, it was really needed. And I, I, But I do think it, like, makes sense that the guys have a lot of similar likes because, like, you know, friends, you're friends because you have things in common, and you can have differences. You know, like Raj, she called Star Trek V the standard by which all badness is measured, and Sheldon thinks that Star Trek I is worse in, like, every way. Leonard loves Babylon Five. Sheldon can't stand it. So they're not completely in sync with everything. You know, you have to like similar things in common. Like my roommate, we both like Big Bang. We both love playing board games, like any kind of board game. Um, we love like Hank Green and John Green. We love The Voice. We love Firefly. Like a lot of this was me getting her into it. But um, you know, we're we have a lot of similarities. But she, she's really into Star Kid. I've seen their stuff, but I'm not like, oh my god, it's amazing. You know, I'm into stuff she's not. So we understand each other because even if like. I'm not, like, super fangirly about Starkid. I feel that way about other things, so I understand how she feels. And she understands how I feel about, like, Jag or The Mentalist, even though she's not as into it. So I think it makes sense that they have a lot of things in common, but they do... I think it also, you know, they do have their differences. So I do think that Raj can be sexist. I do agree with that. But like I've mentioned this on our podcast, I a lot of the times when characters say things that are wrong, the reason I laugh is like the complete like horrified expressions or reactions that the other characters give them. So I'm not necessarily laughing at the sexist moment. I'm laughing at the, okay, like you can't say that or you can't do that. Kind of like there was a lot of that with Leonard and Mrs. Cooper in one of the last episodes she was in. So <laughs> The one where they're all sitting at church and she's making them all pray and yes. like telling yeah. her what what's the name Howard to pray to his Jewish God and whatever God that Raj loves. Yeah, or like in the first episode she was in when she says to Raj, I made chicken. I hope that isn't one of the animals you people think is magic. And I was just like, okay, like who says that? And that made me laugh. Um, but yeah, so like some of Raj's moments, um, or like a lot of people don't like the egg salad equivalency, which is where they all got called into Mrs. Davis because they felt that, you know, Raj was being really sexist there. And the only thing he said that I really laughed at is just how he, he would like, he was like drinking and he thought it was a good idea. And then he goes, they're like, oh, we're going to get suspended. And he goes, she can suspend me from a sex swing. And I was just kind of glaring at him. But then he kind of frowned and looked at his drink and was like, this may have been a mistake. And that's what I laughed at, because he was like, yeah, I'm getting way too obnoxious when I'm drunk. But I do agree with that sort of thing. So go, Roxanne. I talked longer than I planned. I will lose that for the next one. Well, just like some things on like the characters, like the jokes with Raj and Amy being gay for Howard and Penny, like those jokes are among like my least favorite that have been on the show. More so the Amy Penny ones. Some of the Raj Howard are okay. Some of them still just cross the line. Um, it's being like too much of it. Um, but so those, like, for the most part, I could do without. And they ha- there has been, like, less of that on the show now, especially the Amy and Penny. And, like, Amy being creepy, I think, was in there somewhere. I feel like, like, she, she did, there it is. She did have, like, that creepy point. Um, like, the painting she bought for Penny always comes to mind. And especially, like, her comments at the end about, like, originally they were painted nude. Because that whole episode, I had been worried about, like, what is Amy getting Penny? And then it was just the painting. I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. Or, like, it could have been worse. And then the tag, I was like, nope, there she goes. But, like, they really, like, toned that way back. Um, So that's not really an issue, I don't think, anymore. And, yeah, like, I don't think Leonard's gotten meaner or Sheldon. Um, I think Leonard, like, he may, like, stand up for himself more now. But that doesn't necessarily equate to being meaner. And then I basically just agree with everything Nicole said that like it kind of makes sense that they hang out together and they're into the same things. Because I I, like just for me, like the people that I end up spending the most time with 
or like I talk the most with are the people who are into like the same fandoms or watch the same things or whatever as me. Because when I'm like with a friend or someone who's like not into like my TV shows or whatever, it's like I almost don't know like what to talk about with them. So it's just easier to like hang out with the people who like have those same passions and you can know that like you can just go off on this rant to them and they'll know like exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, I talk to Roxanne more than I talk to anybody else, and I think that just from this, people can tell we're pretty in sync, and we have a lot of other shows in common, too. That's like me and my, uh, my friend Angel, um, who uh, is on the Thor 2 podcast. Like, we talk almost every single day, and we have a lot of the same interests, and, like, we get each other into stuff all the time. One day I can, like, she got me into Once Upon a Time, which is, like, now the show I want to go for an internship for. Um, and she also recently got me into Political Animals, and I turned her on to, um, what's that show? I think I made her start watching Glee. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and now neither of us watch Glee, so it's okay. But yeah, like, we do it all the time, and it's, I think a lot of people don't realize how deep we, people can get connected over this kind of thing. I mean, I met Roxanne because of this kind of thing. So. Yeah, we, we met through the Big Bang Theory board on Fan Forum. So. Uh, next comment I took was from my friend Michael. He was a, a big support of Big Bang Theory. I actually got in a fight with him on my Facebook post. And that's nothing against Michael. I love him to death, and I actually miss seeing him. He, he's an amazing actor. Michael said, Big Bang Theory gets a lot of flack because the nerd clique feels that they know more about it than Chuck Lorre. However... I agree with Brian, who was someone else in the comment. Just because Priya, Amy, Bernadette, and Leslie are attractive, uh, it doesn't take them away from being nerdy. Nerd doesn't mean uh, just mean wrapped up in a comic book stores. And even today, nerd is a trend. The four guys are in their 30s, which would make them 80s nerds, as opposed to those hipsters nerds of the day today. Oh my god, I totally agree with that. Conclusively, number one, nerdy doesn't mean homely. And two... It can't have a sexist tone with Bernadette's acquisition of her doctoral degree and in the dominated position she has in her marriage with Howard. Now, tell me, what is this uh, link you got? I didn't get a chance to take a look at it. Um, well, basically, it's a Tumblr post um, that was initially a gift set from the episode where the character, the guys were going to talk about women being in science, and they called the girls while they were at Disneyland to be like, let's give you an example of women in science. And someone had reblogged it, and basically... She starts out, I watch reruns of the show all the time, you want to know why, and she lists all the females on the show, and it's related to the, um, you know, the sexist thing where it's like, look at all these women, I'm just going to paraphrase, I know you'll put a link, but, you know, Leslie, she called Sheldon out on his misogyny, Priya graduated top of her class, Bernadette has a higher degree than her husband, um, and he, you know, he's agreed to stay home and be the stay-at-home dad if they ever have kids, Amy has a PhD and can go toe-to-toe with Sheldon, um, Penny's not a ner- not like a geek or as smart as the rest or anything like that, but she definitely brings something to the show. She's not just there. Um, you know, she's punched Howard because he was being, you know, crude to her. Um, she, you know, Sheldon has a respect for her now. And then they mention, you know, like Sheldon's a condescending jerk. He believes almost everyone's beneath him. He doesn't treat Penny this way because she's a woman. He treats her this way because he's an asshole. And so it basically just kind of goes like, look, like the show may have sexist moments, but the characters don't really get away with it. And there is sexism in the real world. And the conclusion here is this women prove you can rise above it and become important people in your own right. The show isn't perfect, but it basically isn't what the Internet makes it out to be. So I just really liked, I just felt it was a really good defense, at least of the specific women in the show. 
it's not a rebuttal to what Michael said, but it's kind of like I feel like it fits with what he's saying, especially with her, you know, how can it have a sexist tone when Bernadette, like, has a higher degree and all that stuff. I was thinking it was this Tumblr post, but I guess, was, I guess it was another one. But I think it was either, like, the same gift set or the same scene where, um, you know, like, the girls are at Disneyland, like, all dressed up as princesses, but they're talking about science. And the, the comment, I wish I could find a link to it, but it was basically saying, you know, like, look at this, like, yeah, they're, like, these scientists, and they're talking about how, like, you can, like, you or a girl, like, they're, when the guys are, like, trying to talk to, get the girls in the middle school or whatever into the science, and Bernadette or Amy are telling them, you know, like, yeah, like, you can do all of this stuff, and, but, like, they're standing there with, the, like, you know, in their princess gown, so it's, like, showing, like, you can really have both of these things, they're not, like, mutually exclusive, like, dress up or go into science, like, look, like, they're completely doing both and totally embracing both sides of it. So we agree with him on that. Um, so next is from Alexandra. She was saying, I feel like people say it's not true to nerd culture, but really, even soap cultures in our society have soap cultures. And I feel that they try to include as many as possible, although, yes, there are some that are, aren't completely represented, such as the free female comic book nerds, and this is kind of like what we talked about before. Uh, as far as the show goes otherwise, I love it. From the beginning, I've said that Sheldon very much reminds me of my brother, and most people who meet my brother the first time won't see that until later. It's great for me to be able to point out a reference to have people understanding my strange brother a little bit more. Like I'd mentioned before at tapings, people always talk about like how they relate to the guys, and there were always a lot of people who said like they specifically related to Sheldon. So as much as there are people who will say, like, Sheldon's, like, this big caricature and, like, he's, like, making fun of, like, a certain type of people or personality or whatever, like, you have, like, these people, like she says, who, like, who still relate to him on, like, such this, like, such a deep level, so. Mm -hmm. uh, next is from Jason, who is a part of my podcast group. And huh, I got really mixed. I was I actually thought they were going to be a lot more like, rawr, we hate the Big Bang Theory. But I was actually very surprised that several people in my podcasting group was just like, I love this show. Jason says, I feel the Big Bang Theory helped geek culture. My friends found out about Star Trek from this show. Same with Batman and Aquaman. And now they love things and ask me questions about it. And those are my non-geeky friends. I feel like it takes a jab at stuff and you don't like that. And that's okay. Uh, but don't be too serious. Learn to laugh. Learn to laugh a little, and have fun poking fun at yourself and at the geek culture. And like I said, we do really do do half that shit. I, I'm not really like a big Star Trek fan. My dad actually used to watch it. I remember when I was younger, so I'd see like bits here and there. But like I'll occasionally catch a Star Trek rerun now if I see that it's on. Cause I go like maybe like oh, let's see if Will Wheaton's in this episode. Mostly for that or just and like it is kind of like it's more interesting than I remember it being. And like that's basically because of Big Bang Theory. Since I've started after Big Bang Theory, I also ended up watching Firefly and Doctor Who, partially because of references from the Big Bang Theory, and then also just because of like people I met through the Big Bang Theory fandom. So highly recommended it. So, like, I already considered myself having, like, quite a few geeky interests before Big Bang Theory, but then, like, through the show and, like, fandom itself, I just ended up getting more. So, yeah, I definitely agree with what he said about, like, it can just help people, like, be more interested in more things. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Like, I've only seen the ninth Doctor of Doctor Who. One of my friends skipped nine, and so we're kind of deadlocked. So I'm just kind of like, I'm not going to watch 10 and 11 until you watch nine, so we'll kind of see who gives first. <laughs> My, um, I don't have a problem with 10 and 11. I'm just mad that she skipped nine. So like that, and like my road to Firefly is like very complicated, but a large, like how I just like, I was 
almost watched it so many times and then finally did. But like 90% of why I did is part is like because of Roxanne. So and like I met her through Big Bang Theory, and then the other 10% is like because there were references on Big Bang Theory. So I think it's definitely good, like if people like Big Bang Theory, to be like, oh, these guys mention this a lot. Maybe I should try it. And I think Firefly is a good example of that because if you're looking for something to not take up a lot of time, there's 14 episodes, so that's a lot easier than oh, they mentioned Buffy. Let's watch that. I will, I will argue that Big Bang Theory, what they do well is show the human side of nerds. I think a lot of people, you know, because it's like, it's like when Leonard faced his bully in that episode. You know, the the bully for that split drunk moment, like, saw how human and how much he had hurt Leonard. And I, I think, you know, a lot of us, I was terribly bullied in school for liking nerdy stuff. But I think they portray geek culture better than other shows, like Heroes of Cosplay. That show's atrocious. I... I I hate watch that show so hard, <laughs> and and yeah. it's the thing is is they they show the bad competitive side of cosplay. The way the producers produce like do the show is they purposely edited a line where one of the girls was saying that cosplayers can't be fat, and uh, and it really portrayed in that one moment that cosplayers are really terrible people in this like one like five second moment of the show. And it caused so much controversy when really the people who were actually in that scene were saying, like, they edited it that way. What we were saying is if they are bigger girls, they shouldn't wear con- costumes that they're uncomfortable with. So, I mean, what oh, I think, oh, yeah, and so what I think that the Big Bang Theory does really well is they show the really human side of nerds. And I think that they do that very well. And that show that they have real problems. They have jobs. They have, like, all my nerd friends and, and I have nine to five jobs. Well, I have crazy hours right now. But, I mean, yeah. And I really like that about the show. All right. Next is from Steven, my podcast group. Uh, Big Bang Theory to me is, is the geek pop culture as interpreted by those who are not part of a particular subculture. They, the way that they are displaying the characters, especially Sheldon, shows what they believe those who read comics are truly are. Neurotic imbeciles with li- little to no social interaction or skills. Guys who wouldn't know what to do with a woman if they, she came with a QR instruction manual. In fact... I noticed in recent seasons that they've begun phasing out the geek references. To make a long story short, I know it's too late for that, Big Bang Theory certainly hasn't helped improve the the reputation of geek culture. Number two, while I don't think that it's needed, it would be nice to see a female who with geek pop culture background at least to offer a balance to the male geeks. Um, I know Roxanne has a lot on this just because she was at that Comic-Con. I can't really say um, personally about the reputation of geek culture in general, I do know that my geeky quirks have become more accepted and are more accepted with my friends that do watch Big Bang Theory as opposed to those that don't. Um, but what we're touching on here is the comment that of what the writers believe those who read comics truly are because the writers actually do read comics themselves and they're actually quite nerdy. Um, and they have a lot of backgrounds based on how they're doing their specific characters. So I'll let Roxanne talk about that just because she was at the Writers Comic Con panel last year. Yeah, so I'll try to keep this brief. But basically at the panel last year, um, instead of having the cast members all there like they'd done in all the previous years, it was the writers of the show talking about it. And like going into it, I was kind of like, interested to see how the panel is going to go just to like get more of a like behind the scenes look of the show but I was also like really upset that like the cast wouldn't be there because like the cast like in their interactions is always like a great part of the panel but like the writers panel ended up being like really really like hilarious and awesome and interesting and at one point they were asked about like their own like geeky background 
And they'd also ask them, like, what character they related to as part of the question. And that really didn't get addressed as much. But the writers were talking, and one of them, Dave, I don't know, Goats, maybe? I don't know how to say his last name. But he talks about, like, he dressed up as the Doppler effect one year for Halloween in college, which, of course, that's what Sheldon dressed up as um, back in season one. Steve Malaro used to play Dungeons and, Drag- Dungeons and Dragons solo modules as a kid because he said he didn't have any friends that wanted to play with him. Oh, so so he would just play it by himself. Oh, but Dungeons and, and then, Dragons is so much fun with friends. Yeah, so he played it by himself. Oh. Um, and then they were saying how they had like a big um, Dungeons and Dragons tournament on set, which I guess is what eventually led into like them doing the Dungeons and Dragons episode last season. And then one of the writers, Eric Kaplan, went into this long explanation about he was the like um, the dungeon master for the game. And he came up, he called it differential dream remembering as a mechanism in gameplay. But basically this thing about like he asked everyone who was playing the game about like how much they remembered from their own dreams in real life. And then that like factored into their characters, how much they could remember from like their like multiple universes within the game or something like that. So like really like, deep whatever it is going on with the game someone asked about who is the most hardcore gamer in the group and like everyone immediately said uh, one of the writers maria ferrari and like she said one year for her anniversary with her husband they didn't have a lot of money so they were just going to get each other in-game gifts of world of warcraft <laughs> and that's what she did for her husband and then he got her like real life chocolates and then she told them like this was not what we talked about um, <laughs> and then they said like steve holland no one can beat him at star wars trivia when they needed, like, bullies, um, names for bullies in one episode of the show, they, like, used real-life bullies, um, like, from their own past. And Jim Reynolds, like, chickened out at the last minute. He's like, no, don't use my bully's name. And then he said at the panel, like, he's a cop now, like, a cop who got kicked off the force. So he was, like, scared of actually using this guy's oh, name no. still. And then Eric Kaplan went on this great rant. This might have been my favorite moment of the panel about how he was skeptical about Comic-Con because it actually makes it harder to relate to the characters as, like, actual people when you're hearing the, like, writers talk about, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff and what's coming up. And then he was, like, he used to be big into Wizard of Oz, and so, like, if he'd seen, like, L. Frank Baum talking about, like, well, in the next book I'm going to do blah, 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 it would have made him harder to relate to the Cowardly Lion. And then one of the writers asked him, like, didn't you go to L. Frank Baum conventions? And Kaplan was just like, oh, yeah. And then he was talking about how he dressed up as TikTok once, and something about, like, a Munchkin convention and, like, an International Wizard of Oz Society and stuff. And, like, going off on these tangents. And then Bill Prady just had this comment, like, I can't stress to you guys enough how much you've just entered the Big Bang Theory writers <laughs> So, like, all of these, like, all of these guys up there on the panel who are behind the show and, like, they all have, like, different, you know, like, focuses for different ones of them. But they're, like, all across the spectrum. Gamers, conventions, like cosplay like everything like they have like this is like their background also they're not like these people who like are coming at, like, into the geek culture like with no idea of like what's actually going on there i like i love hearing this like extra stuff because this is stuff i don't know about <laughs> though i have to do like a point that i meant to make earlier i kind of at the same time feel like they might need this character because there's still a lot of times where people will look at female geeks or just females in general and judge them. Like, are you guys familiar with the show on Cartoon Network called Young Justice? I've heard about I, it, but that's about it. I don't have cable, so no. It's a show about the sidekicks of the main superhero. So it's like, it's about Robin and Aqualad and Miss Martian and, and, and uh, Supergirl and, like, all their sidekicks. And, like, they have their own special team. This show won an Emmy, right? 
And it was, you know, won an Emmy, which is like the highest prestigious award in television. And then it got canceled. Mm -hmm. And everyone was so confused. Like, why did Young Justice get canceled? It just won this, like, major award. One of the executive producers went on uh, Kevin Smith's podcast and said the reason why Cartoon Network executives canceled Young Justice is they did not want girls watching this show. I saw your tweet about that the other day, and I was reading the article, and that is just ridiculous. That's the stupidest thing. Yeah, and the fact that people still consider girls behind boys, whether it's with geeky stuff or any stuff, is wrong. And that's why I would love to see kind of that geeky subculture, because I think it would give a lot of light to us. That was a point I meant to make like 20 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that I would like to see it. And I know I said earlier at the beginning of the show, I didn't think it made as much sense. Like, I know the original unaired pilot had this character, Gilda, who was a lot more similar to the guys. And I think she eventually became Leslie Winkle, but I liked Gilda better than Leslie. Um, And because they were changing it where the narrative was, they were learning about, you know, Penny and they didn't really have a lot of experience around women. Um, I understand why Gilda didn't make it into the final show, but if they were to introduce a character like her right now, she would fly so high on my favorites list, like, so fast. And when I say I don't think it's needed, like, you know, the show's doing fine. It's not like the show's going to crash and burn without it, but, like, in, so, like that's that's all I mean when I say it's not needed. I mean, would I love it, and do I think comedy. it would help? Yes. Yeah, it's the highest rated comedy on television. Like, what, 20 million viewers a week? Yeah. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I but I definitely would love to see a character like like what Gilda was coming on. Like if they brought in a character that was pretty much what Gilda was in the unaired pilot, they that might be my favorite character like right away. Like she was great. Chris, I love you, but we've already covered your uh we kinda sorta of already covered your point already. So I love you, Chris. And Chris this is the Chris that was the inspiration that made me want to do a Big Bang podcast in the first place. Oh, well, we're having fun, so thank you, Chris. Sorry, Chris. Yes. <laughs> Love you. He's one of the founders of our podcasting group, so. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, so my very last one, before we get jump into yours, is uh, from Patricia. She's a very she's a fellow geeky girl of mine. Um, she's one of my, like, hardcore cosplay friends. She has, like, you know, she likes Big Bang Theory, but she also saw a few points of, like, things that, a lot of the same reasons that didn't jive well with me. So Patricia wrote, I like Big Bang Theory. I like some of the jokes and references thrown in there, and I can laugh at it with my dad. We make jokes like that all the time with each other. I'm not up to date, but there have been some things that rubbed me the wrong way. I remember the scene involving, or scene or two involving cosplay, where the audience laughed when the group was being harassed. The weird looks in the restaurant was funny. It's something I can relate to as well, and it's funny as heck in real life, which is so true. When you go to conventions and you're sitting like in a McDonald's in costume, people's gonna stare at you. Um, but I think it's when someone splashed their costumes with a drink or something and yelled out "nerds" and the audience laughed, and that just hurt because I know it's a dorky hobby and everything, but costumes take time and effort and energy, and they're extensions of ourselves. And for someone to ruin all that out of pure, flat-out mean uh, spiritedness, even a TV show, and knowing that they that the stuff is done in real life to people, I don't know. I mean, some of these costumes like are like two hundred dollars plus to make. Mm-hmm. I'm happy about how they portray because I know she has some of the same points that we've already made. Um, I'm happy that how they portray the guy's friendship with Penny. They come from very different ends of the spectrum. Uh, uh, this is a duo Dragon Conner see every year. Uh, nerd geeks with football fans because at Dragon Con here in Atlanta every year it's the same weekend as like a huge major uh, Georgia football game 
And in earlier Dragon Con years, before it became, like, the big mecca it is now today, I remember, like, about seven years ago, half of the hotel was football people, and they would just sit and stare at us. I like how they give each sides in a bit, and they don't let the other differences get in their way. Uh, they make science effort. They make sincere efforts to understand each other and accept each other for what they are. Overall, it has plus and minuses. People are going to love it. People are going to hate it. I don't think it's blatantly making fun of us folks. Some things are silly and silly and stuff like fandom and ship wars, stuff that we see on all sides all the time. But it, it but some of it just seemed kind of nasty, especially about the cosplayers. Or just like thing to comment on that was like when Sheldon getting like the drink in his face, like, that upset me also, both that, like, there was body, like, laughter from the audience there, and also, like, I remember I watched that episode with my family, and, like, my mom laughed at that bit, and I'm like, no, like, don't laugh at Sheldon, that's so sad, and, like, the whole, that guy's storyline in that episode, I really wasn't sure how I felt about it after I, I, like, after it aired, Um, but then, like, on the flip side of that episode is when you have the girls, reading and then arguing about comic books which is like one of my favorite things from that season um but yeah there are moments or like when like the laughter there with the drink in his face that it rubbed me the wrong way the writing that episode wanted us to feel bad for them like they wanted it to sting they wanted it to they wanted people maybe even people who have like maybe done that before had that attitude towards nerds like i don't know but um I feel like it was definitely written for us to feel bad for them. And, like, we did have to do, like, a little bit of a laugh making fun of them because it's the whole sitcom thing, and it's one of the things about sitcoms I don't like. But, again, like, going back to the live audience, you know, the audience wasn't told laugh when Sheldon got hit in the face, even though it was, I know, meant for a joke. There was that scene in the restaurant where it was very clear that they didn't want us to laugh at them. They wanted us to sympathize with them. I did I did much prefer the girls' um, story, but the only thing I really had a problem within the guy's story was the couple of times we were laughing at them. Um, but I did like the whole thing about them. Oh, let's go and like act out this and the sexy glamour shots, like where they were trying and it just was not working. That's one of my favorite things. So I really liked their storyline. I just didn't like that little bit where the car, the people in the car were really mean to them. But I do feel like the episode did want us to feel bad for them coming from the writing side. Um, and I don't always agree with what the live audience laughs at. But I agree that I love the guy's friendship with Penny, just to say something on that. That's probably, I think, one of the strong points, because it, it's like what you guys said. Like, a lot of times people are like, are Penny, and they married a Leonard, or they're uh, Howard, and they married a Bernadette. Um, I like the fact that they explore all those worlds, and it's all equal. Yep. Now, I I was surprised when I opened the document, I saw a bunch of added comments. So, like, what did, what did you guys want to do with these? Like, same format, and then you get my responses, or what? Yeah, well, what Roxanne put on... The fan forum was, she said, I'm sure you've all seen reviews, post opinions against Big Bang Theory, but it doesn't properly re- represent geeks, girls, nerds. It doesn't have enough geek girl representation. Tomorrow night we're going to be guests on a podcast discussing this issue, and we thought we'd see if any of you had anything you'd like to say on the topic. So we just wanted to see, because of course it's on a forum that's for the show. These are all going to be coming from people who are fans of the show, but a lot of them also identify as geeks and nerds. So I guess the angle we were going for Obviously, since we ourselves are big fans of it, um, we were kind of seeing like, okay, people that we have established really like the show. What angles do you approach it from, or why doesn't this bother you, or do you agree with that? And we got a lot of responses, but we just have a couple that we wanted to read. Just most of them, honestly, like the two that I had picked to read, it's kind of just two instances of they would say it better than me. So I wanted their word choice down there. 
Okay. Well, um, like the first comment that we got, um, and it's a really short one, and it's from Captain Rotera Smith on the forum. She said, uh, geeking to me means having enthusiasm and passion for what you love, as opposed to acting like you're too cool to care. By that standard, the Big Bang Theory represents geeks in the finest way. And that basically, like, what I was saying earlier, like, I fell in love with the show just because of, like, their passion for the things that they were into. So I feel like that's just, like, a really concise way of putting down, like, why or how it's good at representing geeks just, like, in an overall sense. Um, When I was in high school, uh, my mom told me this, and she reminded me of this later. I don't even remember this. Um, (laughs) Apparently, when I was in high school, and I remember this hat, but I, I had a, a rabbit hat. And it was like, I used a hat with rabbit ears, and I wore to school one day. And my mom asked me, um, you know, like, what, are, you, are you sure you want to wear that hat? Aren't you afraid that someone's going to make fun of you? And apparently, I told her, well, if they make fun of me, I don't want to be their friends. And I, I don't remember that, but later on, my mom was working at a chiropractor, and she was working on, she was working on a, pa- a patient that went to my school and he was now in college and he had a sports injury and he was back home and getting it looked at. He looked at my mom and was like, Molinax, did you know Hope Molinax? I went, and she went, yeah, that's my daughter. He goes, you know what? I never told her, but she was always just so brave and confident, wave, wearing whatever she wanted, like wearing like three <laughs> hats. And I always admired her and I never told her. And I, I cried. <laughs> And that's kind of how I feel about the Big Bang Theory. Like, these are guys, these guys are really proud. Um, I, I talk as they're real people. But these guys are really proud to love what they love. And that's what half the fun watching, like, Leonard and, and Sheldon. And even just watching their arguments. Like, watching them fight over Babylon 5. And actually, I'm a bad kid. I've been checking Twitter while I've been talking with you guys. Right now, Michael Coleman, who plays Happy on Once Upon a Time, he's gotten a fight tonight with Swan Queen Shippers. Um, and he was trying to defend them and uh, defend the show against them. And it, it's just the thing that, like, you know, we do do crazy things, but it's because we love these things, like, so passionately. And that's one of the joys of watching the show. I just want to say before, um, I, I, there's these two I really like. There were two posters, um, Fanta and No Quarter, that they were talking about how, like, they don't consider the girls real nerds. Um, but, you know, they don't feel that those specific girls have to be. And then I think it was Fanta. She said that when they were young, like, geek didn't mean, like, comic books or trains, but just was anything that was, like, not the societal norm. So then we started talking about how we feel that, like, nerd or geek is no longer, like, a specific definition, but, like, something you can identify as. Um, so it's gotten a lot more broader. So I'm just going to I'm gonna read these two from Marina and then from Britt. And really, I, I won't comment too much on them because I know we're going really long, but um, right. just basically what they say is just kind of how I feel on it. Marina says, I feel a bit insulted by the idea that some hobbies are more worthy of the geek labels than others. To be honest, I don't care for science fiction and superheroes out of the X-Men, yet I definitely think of myself as a geek. Just like Amy, I love medieval literature and could talk about the Arthurian myths for hours. How is that different than talking about Babylon 5 or shoes for hours? Amy's obsessed with period pieces and her passion for science is as strong as the guys. As for Bernadette, we know less of her hobbies besides her work, but she literally told Penny in season six she's passionate about science the same way the guys are about Star Trek. And as for Penny, I don't think she considers herself a geek, and that's where the line should be drawn. If you think of yourself as a geek, then you are one, because you know better than anyone else 
whether or not you're obsessed by something. But I think if we were to call her a geek, she'd be a theater and acting geek. She literally moved to the other side of the country when she was a very young woman to follow her dream. How is that not being passionate about something? And is that less impressive than knowing the content of a comic book? Amen, Marina. <laughs> yeah, so I really like that. And then along the same lines, Britt said... Being a geek isn't dependent on the subject matter that appeals to you, but simply your level of passion for anything. Like, in that way, Penny could be considered a shoe geek, especially in the Buff Pants Alternative with her shoe app. Her explanations of all the different shoes bored Sheldon to tears, but she was so enthused and excited by it and had a lot of knowledge on the subject. I think that makes it pretty much impossible for this show or any other show to represent every specific person who considers themselves a geek. I think the point is to relate to viewers who are geeks on the level that these people are passionate about things in the way we are passionate about things. Not necessarily the same things, but a similar excitement. Regarding what many people consider to be the proper girl geek, they have had characters who have been interested in comic books or that sort of thing. She mentioned Alice or Martha in her longer versions. She said the writers aren't saying these people don't exist. They just don't happen to be the main characters. It's impossible for these characters to be carbon copies of each viewer. Just like not every geek you meet will be the same in how you geek out about stuff. And I chose both of these, and I'm really glad that earlier you had brought up about subcultures within subcultures, because that's just kind of how I feel about everything, and I feel like it's kind of impossible to define geek or nerd now, because, you know, there are so many different levels and so many different ways. And it's kind of like, you know, John Green and Will Wheaton have kind of said similar things. Like, they say being a geek, like, it's not what you love, but how you love it. And obviously that's just my opinion on how it's defined, but I chose to talk about Marina and Britt's comments because that's kind of how I feel about it. And if you consider yourself a geek, whether it's about theater or science fiction or comic books or anything like that, then you are one because I feel like it's become more of a sense of identity than it was before. And then just kind of like on the geek label, it really is just sort of like, I feel like it's evolved a lot. Um, and, like, for me personally, like, throughout, um, I think th at least up through high school, I didn't necessarily consider, like, myself a geek, or, like, I would specify, like, oh, like, I'm a Harry Potter geek, because I was, like, super, like, super obsessed with Harry Potter, that's, like, what everyone knew me as. I literally, like, in junior high, once, like, ran into a girl, like, during summer break, just random somewhere, no one, I, like, I don't think I'd ever specifically talked to her, but she saw me, and she's like, you're the Harry Potter girl. Like, that was me. I had that so. title, too, in school. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, like, I was all about Harry Potter, but, like, I never read comic books. I didn't care that much about, like, superheroes or, like, that sort of thing, which tend to be, like, more, like, if I were to think of geek, like, that was sort of just, like, what I would think of more along those lines. But now it's, like, I'm still not super into, like, superheroes or that thing, but, like, just between, like, Harry Potter or, like, other things that I'm into, it's just, it has become more, like, open or like you can like a geek is just like whatever your interests are like once you reach that passionate level like we've been talking here for like hours about big bang theory <laughs> that's being a geek like when you get down to like that minutiae detail about something you like you're a geek if you like define yourself as a geek it's like it's kind of hard to say like this is what a geek is like a carbon copy or like fit people into a mold because it's just like how you personally feel or how you see yourself like interacting with books or tv shows or whatever i have to say i have to agree that the word geek has evolved over time and i think a lot of that has to do with the internet and social media i i'm not saying that that 70s show is a documentary but it has a good example of eric liking star wars and no one else really else digs star wars like they dig the lasers and they think it's cool fighting scenes and stuff but like he's like 
oh my god, Star Wars, I've already seen it like 17 times. And the thing is, he's alone in this kind of world of like liking Star Wars all by himself. And I was kind of a lot like that when I was growing up and I was really, really young. I remember being 11 and just loving Pokemon. I can't say that loving as in plural because I still love Pokemon. It's on my desk beside me. <laughs> but like, I, I was so alone uh, about loving this one thing. But with the boom of internet and Twitter and Facebook and just like Tumblr and like all these websites, like it makes being a geek I think a lot easier. And I help it. Mm-hmm. I think it helps put us in touch with other geeks. Uh, and while some people might not understand it, like my my sister Brandy could not understand why out of all my earthly possessions, why I would save my computer. <laughs> like that would be like the very first thing I would save over any other thing I own, like more than like pictures of like grandparents and stuff. But it's also my vocation. I'm a writer, but that's the other reason. At the same time, I think it's easier to be a geek in this day and age because we have things like the Marvel movies and Lord of the Rings. And I mentioned this a little bit at the time. But it's also kind of cool to be a geek now. I mean, my, Brian said in his earlier in his earlier comment that there's a difference between the 80s geeks, like our Big Bang Theory guys, and geeks now. I mean, I work at a freaking hot topic. I, I see a lot of people who are just now new geeks. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, I just started watching Doctor Who. But I think where it's wrong is saying that they're not, the like, just because they're just geeky or they're, like, hipster geeks or something like that, to me, that's wrong. You know, there's no level of geekiness of, like, who's better than the other. And this is going back to the guys who judge you because you don't know all the parts of the Millennium Falcon. You know, people have different levels of geeks, them. Just because I am, like, completely obsessed with Once Upon a Time, it's okay that my, my friend Kara watched a few episodes and didn't like it. But we still love Sherlock with just as much passion. I mean, it's okay to have those different levels. And putting a label on it saying like being a geek is these specific things like it can only be comics it can only be anime it can only be video games is wrong like i see my family have just as much passion on football game days as i do about my shows and i never got it but when it's baseball season oh my god i am like i have skipped <laughs> for the world cup when when uh soccer is on when it's world cup i i have called out a sick of work <laughs> before when the U.S. was playing wow. Spain in the semifinals. I called out sick, um, and I was not sick. <laughs> but, like, it's everybody has different levels. Uh, I remember my friend Zach in college, he, could, he called himself a music snob, and he was so passionate about, about music, and he knew everything. And my friend Kelly, I, I used to work with her, uh, she going to concerts was her geek stuff because she wanted to be a concert manager. And, like, tour with bands and, like, be their manager. And she, like, knew, uh, like, the lead singer of Mice and Men, like, one-on-one. Like, they have each other's phone numbers because she just goes to so many concerts. And she has this vast knowledge of music that I've, I've never seen before. And she pretty much knew about, I could not, like, all of us got together and threw bands at her from, like, Death Metal to Harry and the Potters. And she knew them all. Like, it was insane how much music knowledge she had. And I can almost promise you, just looking at my podcast, that the Big Bang Buzz, which is you guys, Greetings from Storybrooke, and Project Runway After Show, which is a Project Runway podcast I listen to, are equally as passionate about these three very different shows as each other. Even within, like, geeky people, like, you can have, like, such drastically different interests. Like, 
I mean, like, this morning, like, I found that there was a Darth Vader pen in my cereal box, and I was, like, live-tweeting my excitement over having it, and I even, like, pulled out one of my lightsabers and was pretending to, like, fight this Darth Vader pen, and, like, I put these pictures on Twitter. I don't know what's no, wrong awesome. with me. awesome. But, um, I'm glad they amused you, but, yeah, I mean, but then, like, on the same level, like, right after that, I, like, go on to Tumblr and write up this big, like, appreciation post for, like, a thoroughbred racehorse. And then I was talking to my friend today about, like, all, like, I love, like, Casablanca, Citizen Kane, like, Anatomy of a Murder, like, all those, all those old movies. And, like, you know, there's so many of my friends that, like, them, they'll completely geek out about stuff that's something, like, I've not even heard of. Um, so there's just so much in there, and it just, like, depends on the level of passion that you have. I mean, like, Roxanne, she's seen Wicked, like, what, 25 I'm times? I'm so jealous. Like, 21, 22. So you're a Wicked nerd. And yes. it's just even like within cosplayers, the different there's different levels. Like I'm a closet cosplayer. I don't know how to, know how to sew, and I really don't care about having like you know like fancy fancy like every like down to the last detail costumes. I enjoyed my costumes because I just want to have fun with it. But you know what? I have other friends that they love sewing and they love taking the time to make like super accurate costumes, and that's their fun. And they love like, wearing these costumes that, to show that they work so hard on it, and they're so proud of their work, and it's so much fun watching, like, their end product. And those are just two very different types of just cosplayers. I mean, and is one better than the other? No! They're both equally as good, because as long as you're having fun, that's all that matters. I mean, like, on that level, I dressed up as a Jedi for Halloween one year, but I couldn't afford a Jedi costume, so I bought this, like, $10 monk robe at, like, Target and just cut the, like, cloth off of it and used that as my Jedi robe. Yeah. I... And it worked. I had a lightsaber. People knew what I was. Yeah, I mean, as long as you have fun with whatever passion that you love, no matter if it's sports... As long as it works for you. Yeah, as no matter if it's sports or comic books or whatever, that's going to make you a geek. And I think in that sense, whether it's, like, music or movies or books or musicals or if you, like, are, like, crazy for knitting, <laughs> like, I, like, knit crazy, like, that's going to make you a geek. And I think, in a way, everybody's geeks. I mean, you can be, like, geeks for Jesus. I mean, like, people who are really passionate about their religions, you know, they're geeks in those aspects. Like, God, my Aunt Kim knows more about Christianity than I ever will because she's a pastor. But that's something that she loves and she's so passionate about. So, in a way, everybody's geeks. That just kind of reminds me of a Tumblr post where someone made reference to, like, the Jesus fandom, and then someone comments, um, they prefer Christianity. <laughs> and on that, that note, just... I think we should probably wrap before we go to hell. Yes. <laughs> uh, Roxanne, uh, Nicole, where can people find you guys and the Big Bang Buzz? Uh, well, we've got our website, which is thebigbangbuzz.com. And that's, we I make a new post there with all the new episodes. The episodes are also on iTunes. If you just search, like, the Big Bang Buzz or I think, like, Big Bang Theory Podcast, something like that, you'll find us. We're on Stitcher Radio, which I really don't know too much about. I just set it up because somebody asked. But if you like to listen to your podcasts on Stitcher, I believe you can find us there also. And then we're on Twitter at the Big Bang Buzz. But our Twitter account has three Zs at the end because it was taken with two Zs. So the Big Bang Buzz with three Zs. And, yeah, we're on Twitter there. And then did you guys have Facebook? I wasn't sure. Um, no, no Facebook. Okay. Do you guys want to share your personal Twitters? I'm totally up to you. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my regular personal Twitter is until the very end, which just shows more of my Harry Potter <laughs> nerdness. Yeah, and then mine is I love my lab 9-3 which is not nerdy, I just had a dog. But yeah, that's my personal one. 
As always, uh, I'm at Hope Molinex. I'm very lucky I have an odd last name because no one stole my name. <laughs> um, I'm at Hope Molinex. Uh, you can also find me at Tumblr at geekygirlexperience.tumblr.com. I can't talk to anymore. And I've mentioned a lot of Once Upon a Time. If you happen to be a fan, I also have a Once Upon a Time blog at Once Upon an Obsession. Uh, I can't talk anymore. It's been four hours. <laughs> Once Upon an Obsession.tumblr.com. And I'll put links to all this in our show notes. Yeah. Well, Roxanne and Nicole, thank you so much for like enduring this with me. I, and I, like I said, this is not my longest show. This is this is about a normal show, and I'll be able to edit it down. <laughs> thank this you is for a lot of this. fun. Yeah. yeah. You guys are more than welcome to come back anytime. Like maybe over the summer, like after season seven finishes, we could do like a season seven recap or something. I'd be That'd down be great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, as always, thank thank you guys so much for listening to Hope of All Trades. Go check out the Big Bang Buzz. They are fantastic. I love hearing them each week. And, yeah, have a great night, everybody. Um, I will not give this out before Christmas, so I cannot say happy, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to have this out before Christmas. So, you know what, guys? Good evening, good night, good morning, wherever you are. Have a safe New Year's if I get it out before New Year's. And just have a better year. And have a great year. And go make your own happiness. And I love you guys all. And thank you so much for always supporting my podcast. This is, like, my last podcast of my year. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> And guys, have a great day. And thank you all. Do you guys want to say bye? Bye, guys. Thanks for Thanks having us again. To us, yeah. The whole universe was in a hot, dense state that nearly 14 million years ago expansion started. Wait, the earth began to cool, the autotrophs began to drool, Neanderthals developed tools, we built a wall. We built the pyramids, math, science, history, unraveling the mystery that all started with a big bang. Since the dawn of man is really not that long As every galaxy was formed in less time than it takes to sing this song A fraction of a second and the elements were made The bipeds stood up straight, the dinosaurs all met their fate They tried to leave but they were late and they all died They their asses off the oceans in Vegeta See a wooden bar be a set in motion by the same Big Bang It all started with the Big Bang It's expanding ever outward but one day with the Big Bang.